Life goes on for Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, uh, Bam Bam's lost before, you know. Quite honestly, I don't need a bodyguard. And I certainly don't need a bodyguard to cause the referee to turn his ankle and cost me the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And the number one reason WCW should be fair to Flores. Woo! Mr. Ric Flair will be allowed to re-enter the game and into the ring and pay whatever consequences he thinks that he's going to have to. Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to April of 1995 for Volume 1 of this month's show. Volume 2 is an ECW special. There's a small matter of a world title change and Sabu being fired, so that's its own show. Uh, this is Volume 1. Uh, we've got WrestleMania and WWF stuff to cover first and then the second half of this bit uh, we're going to be doing at WCW, including the return to the ring of Ric Flair. I'm being joined firstly by Del Muir. Del, good evening. Hi, Bob. And Chris Bradish. Uh, good evening, Bob. Uh, Del, kick us off with the news. Yep, as you say, Bob, WrestleMania, uh, WWF held their 11th instalment of the event April the 2nd at the Hartford, Connecticut. Um, it was Lawrence Taylor beating Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event that actually surpassed many expectations prior to the match itself. Um, WWF title match saw Diesel retain against his former ally, Shawn Michaels, but in somewhat contentious fashion as Michaels appeared to have the match won after hitting him with a super kick, but the referee was injured on the outside and never got in to make the count. Owen Hart's mystery partner going into his tag team title match turned out to be none other than a returning Yokozuna. The pair of them defeated the Smoking Guns, and they are now your new WWF tag team champions. And elsewhere on the card, Bret Hart defeated Bob Backlund, Jeff Jarrett retained the Intercontinental title against Razor Ramon, and The Undertaker defeated the Million Dollar Corporation's King Kong Bundy. Shawn Michaels turned babyface on the Raw that followed WrestleMania after being beaten down by his now former bodyguard, Sid. Michaels rightly attributed Sid's presence at ringside for the reason he didn't win the title at WrestleMania and told Sid ahead of the planned match, rematch in your house that Sid could, quote, have the night off. Sid didn't take too kindly to this and beat him up, laying him out with a trio of power bombs that bizarrely aired in the Raw advert break. The segment ended with Diesel running Sid off and Shawn being stretched off. The turn was a result of Sean's babyface crowd reaction at WrestleMania as he expects to miss six weeks of television. And back to the main event, Lawrence Taylor's performance at WrestleMania was clearly liked, well, well liked backstage at um, WWF management. There's a lot of interest in initially bringing him back in again, but that was only until the buy rate numbers came in for the show. Early estimates show um, that it's drawn around about 350,000 pay-per-view buys. It's actually the lowest of any WrestleMania ever. 
the price rise that they did before the show does mean technically it did do more revenue than last year's show, though. The company will host the first in-your-house pay-per-view next month, and to celebrate, they are literally giving away a house. On the show itself, on May the 14th, Diesel will defend his title against Sid Vicious, and Bret Hart will face Hakushi. The company were also advertising Razor Ramon and the 1-2-3 Kid against Jeff Jarrett and the Roadie, but that may well not happen now, because, Del... Well, the reason that the match is now unlikely to happen, it's, at least its current form, is that the 1-2-3 Kid suffered a reported broken neck at TV tapings in Omaha. The quartet were doing a tag match, Razor threw Kid onto Roadie, and the Kid landed wrong. For his troubles, Kid then ate a DDT before being pinned. The first doctor he saw told him his career was over, but a second said he'll be out of action for at least two or three months. Bam Bam Bigelow and Diesel wrestled a very good television title match on the April 24th Monday Night Raw, which set an all-time record rating for the show and the biggest US TV audience since Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan at the Clash of the Champions last August. Diesel retained his title in the match before Bam Bam turned babyface after being ejected by Ted DiBiase from the Million Dollar Stable and being attacked by their newest recruit, Sid. The show did a 3.9 rating with about 2.28 million homes tuned in. And to finish with a few WWF notes pertaining to WrestleMania itself, firstly, part of the reason that Yokozuna was given time off was apparently to quote-unquote lose weight. He returned at WrestleMania probably about 70 pounds heavier than he was before. Um, the show was also full of technical issues right from the start of the, the show itself. There was also a segment effectively um, twice as there was no audio feed the first time. People had ordered the show via Request TV also apparently missed the final few minutes of the Be- uh, Bret Hart and Bob Backlund match. Um, the company also allowed a swarm of photographers at ringside for the show mainly to get shots of Lawrence Taylor in the main event, but they ended up blocking Shawn Michaels in the, his match, and the view at those at ringside for those in the few front rows was, I'd say, a little bit reserved at best. Yeah, they, they, apparently the photographers got standing ovations uh, when they when they crouched down uh, from, from those in the front few rows. A couple of quick notes. Firstly, the WCW News will precede the WCW segments. I'll split those up. And also, as there was only an episode of Superstars, which was purely a uh, preview show for WrestleMania, firstly, there's no TV review for WrestleMania, and there's no promo before WrestleMania. So, Dell, we're jumping straight into WrestleMania, yep. and if you'd like to read the results. No worries. Straight in with the results, Bob. First up, we had the Allied Power which is the recent tag team of Lex Luger and the British Bulldog. They defeated the Blue Brothers, Jacob and Eli. They were with Uncle Zebekiah. Razor Ramon, with the 1-2-3 kid, defeated Jeff Jarrett, and that was by disqualification. So Jeff Jarrett retained the Intercontinental title. And The Undertaker defeated King Kong Bundy. Owen Hart, as we said in the news, Yokozuna was his returning tag team partner. They are now the new tag team champions after defeating the Smoking Guns. Bret Hart defeated Bob Backlund in a submission match or an I Quit match. And it was unveiled just at the start of the bell that Roddy Piper was the special guest referee for this match. WWF title, it was Diesel retaining against Shawn Michaels. And the main event saw Lawrence Taylor defeating Bam Bam Bigelow. Chris, what do you think of this show? Um, poor, to be honest. Um, given the build-up, I wasn't expecting a great deal anyway, but I did expect one or two matches to be a lot better than they were, especially Bob Backlund and Bret Hart. 
definitely expecting that to deliver more than it did. Um, I think given that, for me, the main sort of bright spot of the whole card was Lawrence Taylor's performance. I think that says a lot about the whole sort of, um, the whole card. Um, Yokozuna returning was another sort of, another bright spot, but overall I just thought it was, given that it was WrestleMania, I expected a hell of a lot more. For me, it just felt like another pay-per-view. Um, it showed sort of the lack of star power that WWF currently has. Um, they had to rely on, <coughs> excuse me, they had to rely on a lot of celebrities to sort of get any sort of attraction for the card and for me everything just felt flat. It was very poor. Yeah, I think it was, and I'll come to you in a second, I think it was very telling in, in the opening video package that they kind of signposted the first ten WrestleManias and it was exclusively, I think, exclusively highlights of the celebrity involvement. Yeah. Now admittedly, Hogan and Savage who are like one and one A in terms of the two most significant names in the WrestleMania era so far. Um, those two guys are now in WCW, so you can sort of understand that they might not want to showcase them. Um, but that was a bit weird. Dal, what did you think? Unfortunately, I need to, I need to agree with Chris there, Bob. It was, it was something that I don't think a lot of us were expecting too much of going in, but you always kind of hope that those are the kind of shows that are really going to over deliver because you're going in with those low expectations. But as, as Chris said, LT performance and maybe a Yoko return aside, there really wasn't, really wasn't a lot in this. And I mean, even at times felt during the show that they were kind of, almost dragging out the time and it was a bit of a struggle to try and fill that three years but it's, it's definitely not one that I don't think they'll be remembering as one of the better WrestleManias. Blimey, this could be a fun show. Yeah, I I, I am in agreement with, with both of you. This was a poor show. It was weird in the sense that I think the main event over-delivered. I think the title match, while some overrating, I thought the title match was actually quite good. But otherwise, this show was really bad um and and what the the thing that stuck out for me the bret hart bob backland match was death it was that bad it was incredible how you can have a guy as talented as bret hart and a guy in bob backland who is still capable of being involved in a in a wrestlemania level match i i, I don't doubt that um but yeah that, that combined with i think just the mood and the stuff going on around the show the tech issues all of the above I think a poor show, but we will, we will come to that in turn. Um, we start the show highlighting the, the video package I mentioned, the first 10 WrestleManias, focusing exclusively on the guest celebrities that have appeared over the years. Vincent Mann opens the show with Jerry Lawler, and McMahon calls the show, quote, the standard of excellence in sports entertainment today. Yes, thank you, Vince. We open up with Lex Luger and the British Bulldog versus the Blue Brothers with Uncle Stebakai. All four men start in the ring. Luger and Bulldog go for a double power slam and nearly crash into each other. Vince McMahon still hasn't worked out how to tell the two brothers apart and he doesn't waste any time in telling us that at every available opportunity. Bulldog hits a stalling suplex. The Blues can uh, gain control, teaming up on Bulldog. One of them goes for a second rope elbow drop but stalls and ultimately misses. Bulldog tags in Luger to a lukewarm tag. Luger hits the forearm but the pin is bow broken up. Luger gets distracted by his there, Uncle Zebukai at ringside and the twins do a switch so Luger cannot get the pinfall. 
Back in the corner, Bullock hits a foot over Sunset Flip and gets a three count. For some reason, the opening match we're in warrants a ton of pyro. Luger and Bulldog flex together in the ring, and Zebrakai reckons they pinned the wrong guy as he speaks to Jim Ross on the aisle way. Dell, what do you think of this? Genuinely, the most interesting part of this match for me was watching them stand in what I would call the WCW corners, Bob. Um, there really was nothing to this. I mean, the the team of Luger and Bulldog makes a lot of sense with the full UK flag and US flag working together. But, I mean, you've got Dutch Mantel there playing this role of Uncle Zebekiah. They could be doing a lot more with him, probably more in a backstage role. You've got Vince McMahon calling the the show and you've got Jim Ross just standing about in the alleyway where I think just based on his WCW stuff he could probably offer a lot more as well but it just wasn't a promising start as you said yourself a lot of pyro there whether that was to try and kind of detract for the just the lack of action in this I don't know but it really didn't work it was really really poor for a start to the show for me. Chris? Yeah I agree um when Let's Luger and Bulldog sort of got put together. For me, it just smacks of two guys that had nothing else to do going into WrestleMania. Um, I think sort of towards the end of the match and after the match, it kind, I kind of saw where it worked a little bit. I mean, yeah, the, the crowd response was sort of lukewarm, but towards the end, I think, uh, I think they got into it a bit more. And I quite like the tag team of Let's Luger and British Bulldog, and I'd like to see them do a little bit more, but the match as a whole was very poor and, as an opener for a WrestleMania, obviously you want a bit more than that. Um, so yeah, very disappointing. If if Luger and Bulldog cannot get on the rest of this show based on what happens in the rest of this show, I would be quite worried given the standard of what follows. But yeah, the, the, yeah, three for three on this. It was a, it was just it was just nothing on it. It was a nothing match. It wasn't entertaining. It wasn't fun to watch. There was nothing to it. I think if we dedicate. Any more times we're probably overdoing it. Anyway, we are backstage with NYPD Blues Nick Totoro. He is backstage with the Million Dollar Corporation, but some technical issues mean we can't hear them. Uh, so Lord of McMahon have to kill some time while we get some wide shots of the uh, arena in Connecticut. We move on to the WWF Intercontinental title match. Jeff Jarrett with the roadie versus Razor Ramon with the one, two, three kid. Uh, we cut backstage to more technical issues. The one, two, three kid is marking the roadie for this evening's match. The match starts off at a pace. Razor and the kid clear the ring and we get Razor's pyro. Jarrett runs into a Razor right hand but only gets a two count. The same thing happens again. Jarrett goes for a sunset flip but Razor sits out on it. Razor then knocks Jarrett into the roadie on the apron. Razor sets for the Razor's edge but Jarrett gets pulled out of the ring by roadie. Jarrett goes to leave but the kid blocks uh, his path up the aisleway. Razor rounds roadie's face off the ring post before sending Jarrett flying over the top rope. As this isn't WCW, the match continues. Back in the ring, Jarrett regains control with drop kicks before doing his strut. We then get the traditional Jarrett Razor sleeper spot. Razor escapes, and then Jarrett locks in a chin lock. Razor knocks Jarrett down in the corner. The one two three kid, for some reason, then tries to crotch Jarrett on the ring post, unprovoked. But Jarrett kicks him into the guard rail. Razor goes for a bulldog from the turnbuckle, but Jarrett moves. Jarrett locks in a leg lock. Razor eventually rallies and flips the move over. Briefly, the crowd makes some noise. Razor hits a back body drop from the second row but isn't able to cover Jarrett. Razor is favouring the knee and he goes for the Razor's edge. But the roadie comes in and forces the DQ. After the match, the 1-2-3 kid explodes on roadie in a manner that questions why he wasn't on the show in the first place. Although I, I, I do think he, he had a concussion at the uh, 
uh, early in March, which probably suggests why he wasn't. Um, not that it really matters now, he's probably broken his neck. Uh, Jarrett eventually gets the upper hand and puts the leg lock in on Kid. Uh, eventually, the WWF officials run out on the heels, Scarpa. Jim Ross gets some comments from Jarrett running up the R way. Jarrett has a bloody lip. Chris, what do you think? I didn't think uh, the match itself was that bad. I thought it was pretty average. There was a couple of good spots, but again, for a WrestleMania match, it just didn't go over at all. Um, I th- personally, I thought they could have done a lot more with the four guys. Well, three guys, if the roadie isn't considered a in-ring sort of guy yet. But to do Razor Ramon and Jarrett again at WrestleMania, and especially to leave the one, two, three kid out, which I suppose now makes sense considering the injury problems he's got. Um, but just for me, they could have done a hell of a lot more with those two guys, especially Razor Ramon. For, for me, he should be a lot further up the card now than competing for the Intercontinental Championship in the mid-card. Um, and it just lackluster. It's WrestleMania. You want something more than what they delivered. Um, so, yeah, it's just fitting with the sort of overall tone of the show so far, to be honest. Del? Um, it, it was all right. To be fair, I mean, I think the the biggest worry for me, Bob, was you look back at last year, match of the year pretty much across the board was Razor and Sean. This year you've got Sean going for the title and you've got Razor Ramon in a rematch for what was for the Royal Rumble against Jeff Jarrett for the belt. He wins it, but by disqualification, he's still leaving without a belt. As you said in the middle, there was things that just didn't make sense with why was the kid going to going to crotch Jarrett on the post when nothing was really meriting that that kind of actions plus even at the at the end the roadie helps Jarrett get a bit of leverage on the the figure four if the kids seen that then why didn't they get round to the other side of the ring and break it up but then if he didn't see it then why does he say he did see it at the end when he does it to help Razor I mean it it just it, it didn't really make a lot of sense I mean kids what, what I would think as his street clothes when he was with that kind of kimono on almost made it a wee bit better but just the lack of a story and just the disappointment again it's it's not shaping up to be a good show Bob yeah um this match at Wrestle uh, uh, the Royal Rumble was better than what we got here um yeah this was the third best match on the show which is probably telling you about what mm. we kind of thought this show and the standard of it. Yeah, just, it, it was okay. I, th- I think that's the best way to describe it. It wasn't particularly noteworthy. It could have been easily forgettable on a better show. Um, as it was, it was alright. The one, two, three kid bit at the end was good. And as I said, I, I did initially put in the notes. I wondered why I wasn't wrestling because it, it probably would have made a lot more sense. But if he did have concussion issues, it, well, if he has concussion issues, I question why he's doing any activity at all. Um, but I guess, I guess there is a difference. Um, yeah, it was, it was alright, but yeah, that was, that, that, if you want to watch a, a Razor Ramon, Jeff Jarrett match, um, watch their Royal Rumble match. As for Razor's spot, Dale, I mean, I think we're probably going to discuss this next month when we get round to our top end of the WWF roster discussion. Mm. We've got WCW this month. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I, I think, long story short, given the number of very significant people that have turned face in the last month, Shawn Michaels will come to, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow will come to, uh, I would think he will be turning heel quite soon because yeah. I, I, I cannot imagine why he won't. Uh, anyway, 
We're backstage with Nick Tura. We can hear him this time. Uh, and basically, Sean will sit up here and Sid says, Diesel is fearful. It wasn't worth going back for. Uh, we move on. Uh, King Kong Bundy with Ted DiBiase versus The Undertaker uh, with Paul Bearer. Uh, Todd Bettengill introduces Carl Anderson and asks him about Lawrence Taylor's chances this evening. Vincent Mann mentions that The Undertaker has never been beaten at WrestleMania. Ted DiBiase then drops the urn. Undertaker does the old school, then needs multiple clotheslines to get Bundy off his feet. Bundy then knocks Taker over the top rope. He lands on his feet and takes the urn off DiBiase and gives it to Bearer. DiBiase calls for reinforcements and out comes Karma. He comes out, kicks Bearer, takes the urn off him and runs backstage. Jim Ross grabs a corner from him in the way, who says he's going to smelt down the urn and put it around his neck. Bundy locks in a sleeper. Eventually, the Undertaker rallies, hits a body slam, then a clothesline, and that's enough for the win. Literally, that is all of my notes. Del, this was death. It was... I think you're struggling these days, Bob, to get a better character gimmick than The Undertaker. The entrance is something else. The, the stuff that he did, I, I just love Paul Bearer to bits. I think he's amazing with the facials that he pulls and just the way that the both of them are just so, so into their character and even just the ridiculousness of how that urn should be with the superpowers and it works, but they just keep lumbering them literally with these, these guys at WrestleMania, whether it's Gonzalez a couple of years ago, obviously last year he never made it, but then with Bundy this year, and we just want to see him get a good, good match, and it, it just wasn't, I mean I was never a great fan of Bundy, so I'm maybe clouding my own judgement with that, but as you say, it was just really lumbering, and I don't know, it just wasn't for me at all. Chris? Yeah, I agree, terrible, um, You've got to think they've got, they can do better for The Undertaker. Um, for me, it's, well, for me it was the worst match on the card, given, given that the potential, uh, Undertaker, well, who Undertaker could potentially face, um, to give him King Kong Bundy and for, I mean, King Kong Bundy's never been great in the ring, but it was just, you knew instantly before the match it was never going to be a classic, but it was worse than, what I was expecting. And for me, uh, the finish was just, I mean, it's a body slam into a flying clothesline. It's like a clothesline finish, wasn't it? It was, was that, three oh, count? It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. I mean, you, you don't expect him to deliver the tombstone pile driver on him, but they've got, I mean, the, the finish for the LT Bam Bam Bigelow was better than this. And that was, you know, from the, from the, from the second rope. You've got to think they can come up with something better than that. Um, just bad, bad. I'd like to disagree on worst match of the night. I, I kind of feel we've got to disagree on something. Uh, I thought the Brett Backlund match was worse than this, uh, maybe because I had slightly higher expectations. Yeah, it's weird. Um, that they, they do seem to be determined to put Undertaker in the ring with guys that absolutely cannot wrestle. Um, and and I, I see people like Wade Keller saying, well, you know, Undertaker's quite a good wrestler. I'm like, well, you know more than I do, Wade, but I've not seen it. Um, and they're not really giving him the chance, um, but this was, uh, at least it wasn't that long, that's all I'll say, at least it didn't last that long, you, you would have heard from my notes that that was easily the, the, the shortest match review of the night, um, but yeah, just really bizarre, I mean, the, the, the stuff outside the ring, like, what, why does, like, if you're that worried about the urn, why bring it out to ringside if you're Ted DiBiase? 
Uh, I suppose they, they ended up solving that with, with Cameron running off with it, and, and he eventually smelts it down, as we'll find out on TV. Um, but yeah, the match was terrible. Um, the crowd, again, popped for Undertaker's entrance and then didn't really care about the match. Um, yeah, but they're... If they've got something with Undertaker, they're, they're not far away from losing it. Um, I, I, I'd be inclined to try and pair him with someone a little bit better. Um, maybe if Reza Ramon needs an opponent. Um, Sorry, Bob. I was going to suggest oh. Reza Ramon. I don't see why they can't, why they have to bring these monsters in just to face Taker when you've got someone like Reza Ramon who, between the pair of them, could, could put on a great big man match. Um, even guys like, you know, I think Bob Backlund would have been a better program. I mean, I think putting them two together would be sort of, it's, it's sort of a strange combination, but it's so much more interesting than having him face someone like King Kong Bunda. Literally anyone else. Well, yeah. the IRS, I suppose that was, that was bad as well. Well, but... I, was even, I was even saying the camera would be a better, uh, a better opponent than King Kong Bunda. At least it'd be a better match. Well, it could be much worse. Um, I'm not but, convinced. <laughs> but yeah, all very strange. Um, and yeah, we are two out of three on really bad matches. Uh, and the other one wasn't all that great. Uh, anyway, we are, uh, Nick Taturo is backstage outside Pamela Anderson's dressing room. Apparently she and Michaels have had a disagreement. Taturo grabs some comments from Taylor's all-pro team. Bob Backlund is playing chess with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, John Taylor Thomas rather. Uh, Backen doesn't know who Pamela Anderson is and then he loses his chess match and he's not happy. Uh, Owen Hart and his mystery partner who turns out to be Yokozuna versus the Smoking Guns for the WWF tag team titles. Owen introduces Yokozuna as his tag team partner and I have to say before having seen the, the note in the torch, Yokozuna looks really big. Um, See when he came out, Bob, did you know I actually think he'd actually ate either Mr. Fuji and or Jim Carnet. I was quite shocked when they came out at the back of him. I thought he'd just ate them. Well, he he he, he may have Russian doll style ate a slightly smaller Yokozuna. Well. That's also possible. But yeah, it looked really big. I like the beard. I'll give him that. But um, like even Vince McMahon says he's looking bigger. Now, I guess if, if the story is true and they sent him away to lose weight and he put on weight, I guess Vince McMahon might be in the business of making that known. Um, but yeah, he looked really big. Um, anyway. Uh, Owen introduces him as his tag team partner. Yeah, we've gone on that. Uh, Owen slaps, uh, Billy as the match begins for going for a leap prong and getting a slap in the mush for himself. Yokozuna briefly gets some offense before Owen gets back, uh, back in and gets on the losing end of offense from the guns. Yokozuna gets in the ring but gets double drop kicks, uh, to the outside which wakes up the crowd. The guns hit a back body drop neck breaker combination. Very impressive. After some more offense, uh, Owen tags in Yokozuna and does a drop toe hold. Yokozuna drops the leg. The crowd is all over Yoko's offense. I've got it in my notes. Yokozuna locks in a sleeper before signaling Owen to go to the top rope. Owen hits a drop kick but Billy ducks and Yokozuna eats it. Bart comes in to the ring and slams Yokozuna's head into the mat. Yoko rallies and sets up Billy for the bonsai drop. He hits it but Bart breaks it up. Yokozuna sends him over the top rope, tags in Owen, who faints to do the sharpshooter, but then just pins Billy anyway, and wins the tag titles. Dale, what do you think? Um, I'm kind of split in this one, to be honest, but it's definitely the match of the night so far, which isn't maybe saying much, but Yokozuna being back, I think, is great. It does look worryingly big, though. Um, it's he, he, He's capable of putting on some good matches. He's... Kind of on the size of him, he shouldn't be able to do half the stuff he does. 
he has got a presence, so he's got that name value, former champion. I think him teaming with Owen is different, but it could be good. But as I say, it's just seeing the size of him kind of worries me more than anything else. I mean, how long have we got left of this guy when he's getting in this kind of this kind of shape? I mean, even when he was getting some of the offence and he would run the ropes a couple of times and then you would just see him perched at the side of the ring, leaning on the ropes almost to catch his catch his breath and even when he was going at it in the ring you would very rarely see him move through the middle you could pretty much just have him on a like a spinning pivot in the middle of the ring and you wouldn't look out of place Owen getting the belt again I'm always happy with him a great fan of Owen Hart he has been there before in that kind of tag team scene it didn't really push him onto what we thought it did at the time We'll need to see where it goes, but having Carnet as a mouthpiece is always a good thing, especially when it's Owen and Yoko when they're not really known as their, for their kind of verbal skills, but as long as they call them Yoko Ono, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, a, a good 8 out of 10 for that joke, Dal, I'll give you that. Um, that. That's probably in the top three things that's happened in the, in the uh, WrestleMania review so far. Um, Chris, what do you think? I'm wondering, given whether they expected him to lose weight, maybe the reason he's been put in a tag team with Owen is because he's not lost the weight and sort of they're using Owen to cover any sort of uh, limitations he's got. Um, maybe they it, expected it, it's, him. it's worth saying he didn't. You know, Dal, your, your description of Yokozuna, while accurate, wasn't really any different to Yokozuna six months ago. That's true. You know, I mean, he, he wasn't exactly athletic back then. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose he, he did have, he did have those, but go on, Chris, carry on. I mean, yeah, it's true, but maybe they, they felt that even back then he had limitations because of his weight, and maybe they thought that they could get more out of him if he was fitter. Uh, coming back in and he's not lost the weight, maybe they just thought there's not much more we can do with him as a main event guy. Um, as for the match itself, I quite enjoyed it. Again, I, same as Dow, I'm a massive Owen Hart fan, so anything he does, um, I enjoy, usually. I love the ending. Uh, I love the finish with um, with him t- sort of taking credit for the the Yokozuna. It was a leg drop, wasn't it? And he just oh, rather, drop, yeah. Yeah. Then rather than sort of doing anything himself, he just pinned him, didn't he? Uh, I thought that was great. I think the tag team has great potential. I'd like to see him work with sort of mentioned Lex Luger and Bulldog earlier. I'd like to see them two enter a program. Um, and yeah, I think it was it was a good match. Again, considering it's WrestleMania, you'd expect a hell of a lot more, but to say this is one of the better matches doesn't say a great deal about the card, does it? Yeah, I, I, I revised my comments earlier slightly. I think this was probably the third best match on the card. It was certainly probably more noteworthy and more entertaining than, than Razor and Jarrett. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a massive Yokozuna fan. Um, I thought he was really good in this match. The crowd were all over him at times, um, and particularly as... They hadn't really been into anything up to this point. That includes, well, they, you know, Luger and Bulldog got their, you know, usual pops. They're, they're always going to be in there to a point. Undertaker got a big pop. But Yokozuna actually got reactions while he was in the ring, um, yeah. which was significant. The match was quite good. The finish was good. Yeah, not bad. It, like, this, this is the first match so far that has overachieved. I, I will say that. This, this match was probably better than... Mystery partner notwithstanding, I would have expected going into the show. And we move on. We have a blimp inside the arena. I don't really know why. Uh, we have a Bam Bam Bigelow interview. Uh, we see clips from the pre-WrestleMania workout where the two came to blows. Bam Bam says LT doesn't have a chance. He's a flash in the pan. 
We have an I Quit match. Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund with special guest referee. Rowdy Roddy Piper. The crowd pop big for him, as they do for Brett as well. Uh, Piper has a wide microphone, uh, which is going to make asking either man if they quit quite awkward. Uh, Brett dominates the early going, clocks in a figure four. Piper asking the uh, Piper asking the question actually comes across as quite comedic. Uh, Brett works on backers leg. Piper even asks Brett if he wants to quit, despite the fact Brett's on offense. Uh, Backlund uh, looks for the chicken wing just to tease the crowd uh, as they get excited. Backlund then sets about working Brett's arm. Hart slams Backlund, then drops the elbow from the top. Brett goes for the sharpshooter, but Backlund rolls to the ropes. Brett charges Backlund in the corner, but Backlund moves. Brett hits his shoulder hard into the ring post. Crowd liven up in anticipation for the chicken wing. He sets it up, but cannot get it, uh, cannot get Brett off his feet. Brett flips him out of it and locks in a chicken wing of his own. Backland groans and Piper sees that as enough evidence to say that Backland quit and Brett wins the match. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, not good at all. Um, I, I, I kind of, ex- I mean, I did expect more of, of the, the two. Um, but for me, the I quit stipulation just ruined the whole thing. I'm not a fan of it anyway. Um, but it just, just let them have it. Just, you know, after the submission, it was a submission match at Survivor Series, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, or throwing a towel or whatever. Um, Close enough. Yeah. After that, I figured if they're going to have a rematch so Brett can have his win back, then just give him a normal match. Maybe make Roddy Piper the, Piper the uh, special guest referee. But the whole I quit stipulation just ruined it for me. I mean, yeah, it was comedic, and that was probably the best part about it was, was Piper's involvement in it. Um, but I don't think that was the idea. No, not at all. It's, I mean, but that's the way it came across. Um, I don't think they brought him in for the comedic value, but I mean, that's the only enjoyment I got out of it, to be honest. And I hated Bret Hart using the chicken wing on him as well. Um, it just, the whole thing was just terrible, to be honest. I just don't, I just think that both wrestlers, uh, had much better value on the card than facing each other. I don't see why they couldn't have maybe had uh, Bret go up against. I mean, I, I personally would have loved someone like, I mean, we mentioned Razor Ramon earlier, and how he could have uh, had a better match on the card. Brett Hart v. Razor Ramon. Um, the match, was it Royal Rumble 93 or 94? Uh, uh, it wasn't, wasn't 94. I think it was 93. 93, wasn't it? yeah. yeah. Um, I'd love uh, a rematch of that. I thought that was an excellent match. And I think, I don't know, something. I mean, given that they're both baby faces, it might not have been possible. But just to have um, Brett Hart v. Backland again after Survivor Series. Well, Survivor Series wasn't brilliant anyway. For me, it was just not the best of ideas, and the match itself didn't deliver at all. Del? I don't know whether it's my expectations were a bit reviewed, Bob, but back to November when we seen Blackland at the Survivor Series, I thought we'd get a lot better, and I was really, really disappointed with that. I think coming into this one, you knew that Blackland's the AG is, you knew it was going to be a submission match, where there's going to be a lot of rest holds, a lot of stop starts. Piper was... Contrary to Chris, it just really annoyed me for some reason. It got so annoying so quick. But even with it being as slow as it was, it wasn't as bad as what I was expecting it to be. I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, there was a couple of bits when the, the pace quickened up a wee bit. They looked as if they'd planned it out pretty well. Um, the reversal into the chicken wing, I did like it. It almost kind of... I don't know why this is just me being me and overlooking things as usual, but I think it made quite a lot of sense when you look back to November again when Brett got beat with that. Well, kind of got beat with that move and obviously been in it for as long. He can see 
the effects that that move had. So it's almost mm-hmm. as if, right, I couldn't beat you the last time, and it was because of this move. I'm going to use this move in you, and then I'll get the win. And he did. The only thing that annoyed me was just the the ending. It was just weird when it's like you don't. The point of having a microphone is so you can hear them say, I quit. If they don't want either Brett or Backlund to say those words, don't book the match. But then even when he gets back up the aisle, and he's just as funny as usual, Bob Backlund, but when he's there with Jim Ross, and Jim Ross says, I never thought I'd hear you say, I quit, then he never said I didn't. He never said I did. It's just really strange ending. I mean, for just... Almost spoiled the match. I think it was kind of over delivering for what I was expecting. In the end, just kind of ruined it for me. Oh, so bizarre this match. So, so strange. I mean, yeah, to, 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 to quickly recap the Survivor Series thing, these two in a, in a, what, throw in the towel match, effectively a submission match. That match was, Good, but I think we all agreed reviewing the show that the match was let down by the submission stipulation because it denied both guys the opportunity to have quite a good match. Um, so they kind of took that and made it a lot worse. Um, the I quit stipulation didn't help at all. It was all submission stuff again uh, without any of the drama. Uh, we had Roddy Piper... One with like the wide microphone, which made things a bit weird, and two like him asking like, "Do you quit, Brett? Do you quit, Bob?" Like every what do you say? Thing. What yeah, do you that say? Ki- that kind of thing. What do you say? Um, over and over again. And then we end up with Backland grunting into the microphone and Piper for no reason at all saying, right, that's it. End the match. This, this is a naught out of ten match. I, I, I cannot, I cannot give it any praise because it was just dire. The entire setup, the entire way it's put together. The work wasn't good, and you don't often say that about a Brett match, but it just wasn't. Um, and then Piper came in and just killed it. I mean, it was horrendous. Um, and yeah, like this, this was the work, this was worse than Undertaker and Bundy. It was longer, and Brett and Backlund can, and I believe are capable of so much more. I'm not sure, I'm not even sure that's true of Undertaker and Bundy as a combination. Um, Chris, any more to add? I know you were chanting while Dell was speaking. Well, I mean, I'd say it says something when the Backland uh, promo beforehand, it was, well, it was before the uh, the previous match, I'd say that was more enjoyable than the whole of that match. So I think that just sums up the whole match, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Jim Ross grounds Backland as he's walking up the aisle way. Backland says he saw the light, whatever that means. Uh, Nick Turo says that he scoured the building and Pamela Anderson has left. Uh, we're having more audio difficulties. Todd Mike Pettengill needs a second mic to interview Diesel. Diesel cuts an awkward promo. And we move on to the WWF Championship match. Diesel versus Shawn Michaels with Sid. Dalton Taylor-Thomas from Home Improvements is the guest timekeeper. Nick Turo is the ring announcer. Michael is accompanied to the ring by Jennifer McCarthy and Sid. Diesel comes out, remonstrates to the back, and out comes Pamela Anderson in one of the more creative things they did in the entire show. Uh... Diesel flips Sean over the top rope before the match had even begun. Diesel calls Pamela into the ring. We get some serious pyro. After a series of near misses, Michaels runs into a forearm from Diesel. The crowd I've got are quiet, even but quite in bold. Um, just to illustrate my point. Um, not the reworks for a podcast. Uh, Diesel sends Michaels miles into the air for a backdrop. Diesel then sends Michaels into the corner for a Ric Flair spot to the outside. Michaels vents his frustration against a, a photographer. Michaels goes for some punches in the corner, but Diesel throws him into the ring. Diesel sends him to the outside, and Sid gets up on the apron and starts mouthing off. 
Diesel counters a sunset flip, picks up Michaels and crops him on the top rope. Michaels sends Diesel to the outside, hits a flying crossbody block from the top to the outside. Shaw then splashes Diesel from the apron. Michaels hits a bulldog from the second rope but can only get a two count. They're setting the story that Diesel has injured ribs. Michaels goes into the corner but hits a springboard back elbow for a two. The crowd are slowly getting behind Michaels' offence. He drops a big elbow to Diesel, uh, Diesel's back for a two count. Michaels locks in a sleeper and the crowd rally behind Diesel. Diesel finally makes his comeback with a clothesline in the corner and stake eyes. Diesel knocks Michaels to the outside. Seems the official got injured on the outside as he's going to deal with Sid. Sean hits a super kick, but there's no ref. Eventually, Hebner gets back in the ring, but Diesel ultimately kicks out. Sid pulls out a pen knife and exposes the turnbuckle. Diesel hits a back suplex, and both men are Sparko in the ring. Sean goes for a cover, but Diesel kicks out before Diesel hits a sidewalk slap. Diesel goes for a catapult in the corner, but Sean is too far away and falls short of the exposed turnbuckle. Diesel nails a huge big boot and starts hulking up. Then hits a sloppy jackknife, and Diesel wins the match. Michaels walks off, and Diesel celebrates with all celebrities in the ring. Dale, your thoughts? I'm kind of more on this one where you two were with the the submission match, Bob. I thought this was really, really slow. Um, I, I don't know. I, I used the word in the Undertaker Bundy match, which was lumbering, and that's just what Diesel is to me. I, I just don't see him... He's not really getting any kind of get up and go about him, which kind of ties into this cool character that he's got, but it, it just didn't work for me. I mean, the finish itself with the jackknife, he just drops Shawn Michaels on his backside. I mean, it's how he's never kind of damaged his spine or anything with that, I don't quite know. There was a bit in the middle where Diesel tries to catapult him into the... The turnbuckles, but he does it feel it two thirds of the way across the ring. God love Shawn Michaels for just diving like a boss to try and get into the corner. Just sums up Shawn, but it just it wasn't a good match for me. I mean, there was some good bits in it where kind of more so Shawn than Diesel. I mean, it was almost like Ric Flair kind of selling in the in the middle of the match. It was really good, but it just didn't it didn't do anything. I was really kind of had quite high hopes for this when you're expecting. Shawn Michaels going for the title, going in, I really thought this was his time. They've had that couple of months with Diesel. He's not set the world on fire. He's not maybe been as bad as some folk were expecting when he started, but I really thought this was Shawn's time and maybe like a Diesel, a Diesel bad guy turned, Diesel and Sid working together, something like that, but the match just didn't, didn't click for me and it was really disappointing. Chris. Um, I didn't think the match itself was bad. I thought it was quite good. Um, the issue I had with the match was the booking of it was, for me, it was, it was bizarre. You have sort of periods where Shawn Michaels, um, was working on Diesel like Diesel was sort of, they were trying to play up Diesel being the underdog with the, uh, working on the ribs and the sort of rest holes and it doesn't work at all when you've got a big guy and a small guy like Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Um, with Shawn playing the heel and, the big guy playing the baby face. I don't get how that works when, you know, it should be for me. It's the other way around. So I was hoping maybe going into the match that they do this sort of reverse heel baby face turn with them having, um, sort of Sean play the baby face role, the underdog role. Um, it never panned out that way and it just Which was an overall. Sean style and all classic yeah, wrestles yeah. like a baby face. Exactly. So. so that's why for me it was, I mean, I had this concern going into it. Um, when 
I mean, it was obvious they were building to this program right from uh, from when Diesel won the championship. But I just don't. It didn't work. And and again, the finish, as Dal mentioned, I thought I thought it was a power bomb sort of leading into a sort of a flip where Michaels was going to land on his feet and hit him with a super kick or something. Um, and yeah, it was. I mean, I said I didn't think it was a bad match, but. For me, this is a match that could have been on any Raw, and I thought it was decent. But for it to be a WrestleMania sort of core main event, uh, in that sort of respect, it was poor. Um, if you watch, if you watch this match in a vacuum, it's quite a good match in terms of it's well worked. Um, you've got Sean as the underdog babyface, working quite hard to beat Diesel. Gets his spot where he should have won the match, but he didn't because of interference on the outside, presumably from Diesel's mate. I mean, like, properly in a vacuum. Uh, and then the heel rallies, hulks up a bit, hits his finisher, gets the pin and walks off. And Sean, as the babyface, has his excuse for, for for not winning the match and all that. Um, so the actual mechanics of the wrestling involved were quite good. Um, but, Chris, you're right, the... The, the storytelling and the parameters around it really didn't make sense. Um, if you're gonna have Diesel as a big guy baby face, you're gonna need to either rewrite the rule book or make sure he's facing guys of similar size because that, that dynamic just didn't work. It worked a bit better with Brett, um, although Brett effectively did play an actual heel at the Royal Rumble. Um, it didn't work here. Um, the crowd really weren't into it. I mean, they kind of got into Sean in the back third, but the crowd were not into this match. Uh, I, I did, like, today, just before we went on the show, I did put the show back on briefly, um, just looking for some audio to cut together. Um, and I turned it on, and, and Lawler was speaking, I was thinking, there's something wrong with the audio here, it just doesn't sound right. And then I let it run for a minute, and the crowd was just so silent, it was like it was, they were muted. Um, yeah, the powerbomb was sloppy, like, like, Sean almost, as you're right, Chris, he kind of rotates through it and pretty much lands on his feet. I mean, he does end up falling back and selling the move, but he pretty much does. Um, and yeah, this was, it was a well-wrestled, poorly put-together match, is the, is the best way I can describe it. I, I can already feel my four out of ten slipping for this show. Um... Vince standing with Shawn Michaels and Sid, and Shawn, an unbelievable match. Oh, unbelievable, unbelievable, come on. It's believable. Everybody saw what happened. This story of my life, huh? Come on. you got to be kidding me. I had him. I had to be the new World Wrestling Federation champion. He was out. I gave him some chin music, and he was out colder than a block of ice, and the whole world saw it. You may not like it, but you know the truth when it's right in front of your face, and the heartbreak can't prove it to you tonight. I am the best. Oh, sure it is. Little chin music right there. It is over. Am I right? See, I'm going to say something, Todd Pettigill. Just like when it comes to the World Series or the NCAA playoffs, there's always more than one umpire. There's always one more than, more than one referee. But tonight, a world title at stake, one referee, and he's a bubbly fool. He falls and blows his knees out, and my man has to pay the severe price. And brother, I'm gonna tell you something, Diesel. You know you was that far from losing your title. But this man, this man is not finished with you. You know something? I'm so sick of talking. I proved it to you right there. I shouldn't have to do it again. But you know something, Big Daddy Cool? If you're even half the man you say you are, you'll face me again, Jack. Come on! 
You know it, and I know it, and now the whole world knows it. I told you I'm the best, and tonight I proved it. And if I have to, I'll prove it. We get a Sean interview backstage. He says he had the title match won. Sid says Sean isn't finished with Diesel. We get to the main event. It's Bam Bam Bigelow with a million dollar stable. Ted DiBiase, King Kong Bundy, Tatanka, Nikolai Volkov, Karma, and RS. Against Lawrence Taylor and his all-pro team, Ken Norton, Chris Billman, Ricky Jackson, Carl Banks, Steve McMichael, and Reggie White. Uh, Bam Bam takes a run at Salt and Pepper, who stood in the R-way. Pat Patterson is officiating. The men square up, and Bam Bam shoves Taylor. Patterson wants them to shake hands, but Taylor slaps Bam Bam for hitting a lovely clothesline, then sends Bam Bam flying over the top rope. The crowd come alive. Bam Bam returns to the ring, but it's an impressive bulldog. Bam Bam returns to the outside to regroup. Uh, but Lawrence Taylor hits an impressive bulldog. Sorry, Bam Bam returns to the outside to regroup. Taylor jumps to the outside and confronts the corporation. Bam Bam gets back in the ring and finally gets some control. Bam Bam dominates the next few minutes, eventually going for the Boston Crab. The All-Pro team whip the crowd up and LT gets the ropes. Taylor recovers and hits an impressive back suplex. Bam Bam goes for the moonsault and hits it. Goes for a cover but then immediately pulls off, setting his knee. Taylor recovers and hits a, a sort of underhook suplex. Bam Bam barely kicks out. Bigelow hits an enziguri of sorts, then returns to the top and hits a headbutt, but Taylor kicks out. Taylor rallies and drives Bam Bam into the corner. He then hits a, a forearm and an elbow before going to the second rope and hitting a clothesline. He then pins Bam Bam, and the crowd pops big at the end of the match. Ted DiBiase says to Jim Ross that Bam Bam has embarrassed the corporation. Chris, what do you think? Um, looking at the match itself, I thought it, it was it delivered way more than I expected it to. I, I actually really enjoyed the match. Um, obviously, the issue isn't with the match itself. It's with having an American footballer headline WrestleMania, but obviously we, we've been through that and the lack of star power. But if you're looking at the match itself, I, I enjoyed it. I thought LT showed that he obviously put the work in. Um, and there was a couple of good spots. I mean, I, I was impressed with this. I mean, it's for any normal wrestler, a running bulldog isn't a great move, but for an American footballer to pull it off the way he did and for it to look pretty good. Um, yeah, I was I was quite impressed. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow, for me, I'm a massive fan. And I think it is... Well, you say he deserves... I say he deserves better, but he's, he's main, main events in WrestleMania, but I just hope that after this he gets his uh, just rewards and, you know, he gets something better, maybe a main event run. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, what else can you say? It's... You know, the, it's, it's an American football headline in WrestleMania. What more do you expect? Del? So far, Bob, I don't have one match over 5 out of 10. So far, this, to me, was a 7. And it's all down to Lawrence Taylor. Bam Bam, same as Chris, big fan. I think he's a brilliant big guy. The promo stuff and the lead-up to this, this kind of feud and match over what two three three months now for the Royal Rumble just about he's done brilliant the the interview stuff the suspension stuff building the match I think he's been an absolute professional I just think Lawrence Taylor was just an absolute superstar there are a lot of people come into this business where you can tell they're just there for a payday or they just want to sell their new TV show um We've seen it with Chuck Norris when he was the Texas Ranger. He sold his programme and disappeared. 
he couldn't even really nail a kick on the outside to Jeff Jarrett. Lawrence Taylor has put the work in here. I mean, he doesn't really need to work in the kind of cardio side of it when being the, the American football player. But it's just, he really seemed to understand the business in the match. I thought it was so well put together. They've obviously been working on that, whether it's kind of Pat Patterson getting his getting his payday again with kind of putting his cell in that, that referee spot that we've seen him do before at a WrestleMania just to make sure that there's somebody in there that knows what they're doing in case there are any issues. I don't think Taylor even needed him. Um, I think he'd done absolutely brilliant. Just totally deserved match of the night for me. And as Chris says, it's, it's maybe not the best situation with it being that it's a quote-unquote celebrity headline in WrestleMania, but the guy put the work in, thought he'd done brilliant. Bam, bam, good as ever. Really enjoyed it. If if we go back to the aforementioned vacuum from from, from the previous match, this was a poor wrestling match uh, in terms of uh, Lawrence Taylor hits a few quite nice looking moves, and in the middle, Bam Bam Bigelow does a lot of very ineffective submission based offense, which for a guy his size doesn't really compute. Um, that being said, we, we come back into the real world. This match massively over-delivered. Uh, uh, in term, well, I guess it depends where your expectations were. And I think some people said, well, you know, I think Stuart said it last month, I think Bam Bam can guide LT through a, a perfectly passable match, and that he did. Um, but as a spectacle, as something that the crowd were invested in, as entertainment value, and watching it going in with very low expectations, this was really good. Um, and both guys deserve a lot of credit. I mean, look, the aim for Lawrence Taylor was come in, give us some publicity, hit a couple of spots. That's what all those photographers were there for, getting in the way of the crowd and Shawn Michaels. Hit a couple of spots that we can put in the press the following week uh, and win the match. Uh, and he did all of that. Um, and, and we ended up with quite an entertaining main event. And I say, look, it, it, it's an awful match if you want to look at it that way. It, it really wasn't anything of any note. You know, Lawrence Taylor hits a couple of noteworthy moves because it's Lawrence Taylor you're like wow like I, I, I guess if if you bought if you're the kind of person that bought this show you, you've seen a bit of wrestling but you don't really follow it you thought well Lawrence Taylor's on the show I've got $30 to spare let's watch it you would go in and think Lawrence Taylor would be in the main event and wonder what the hell would happen and I suspect you would be pleasantly surprised what he did the, the, the moves he hit were very good and and in, in amongst all of this the, the, the really bizarre thing is that they packed this match with special attractions Pat Patterson as the referee they had the all pro team ringside they had the million dollar corporation ringside they had, with the photographers it was like a lumberjack match there was about 25 people around the ring they didn't need them they didn't need the all-pro team. Other than the small bit in the middle, they they were a non-factor. They didn't need the million-dollar corporation for the same reason. Uh, and it's credit to the four guys involved. And 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 Chris, I'm in complete agreement. I think Bam Bam, you know, this this could well be the biggest match of his career. Who knows? Um, I I, I think you know we'll come to his title match on Raw in a bit. I I, I think and I hope that he's going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. And now that they turned him babyface, that's probably not a good thing, even though it certainly made sense. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that Bam Bam was certainly. You know, this isn't a great match for him, but in terms of being in the main event of WrestleMania, this is huge. Uh, Dal, anything more to add? The only thing that I can add just to your last point there, Bob, I'm going to go back to WrestleMania 10 again. You're saying this could well be the biggest match of Bam Bam's career. He's just headlined WrestleMania, so it probably will be. But last year at WrestleMania 10, he was with Luna Vachon fighting Doink and Dink 
this year he's headlining it. We have just pretty much praised the performance. I mean, bearing in mind the crowd was pretty much dead all night. This match could have stunk and absolutely bombed considering what they'd watched and the fact that they weren't even in anything before this. I thought they'd done brilliant and as you say yourself, for Bam Bam to kind of be in this spotlight, especially after what you maybe look at him doing last year, sky's the limit for him and best of luck to him. He's as good a big man as you're going to get. Between him and Vader, nobody can really touch them. Now, is it fair to say this this match saved the show? Honestly, yeah. It's it's definitely added on a point or two to my score for the for the full show. We spoke going on that we never had much expectations for WrestleMania as a whole. I don't think any of us had expectations for this. And as you say, it's not a, it's not a brilliant show in athleticism. But it, it, if it wasn't for this, I mean, what else is this WrestleMania going to be remembered for? Chris, same question. Yeah, that's 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 spot on. What else are you going to remember this WrestleMania for? I think maybe if there'd have been a, a Razor Ramon title title win or maybe a, a Shawn Michaels win, then maybe there'd have been more to remember. But as it was, it was all the champions returning, and the highlight was Lawrence Taylor. Oh no, we had a tag title match. Uh, sorry, title sorry, match. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We 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 had the we had the tag teams, but for me that I kind of saw that coming and. Yeah, if you'd have thrown in a Razor Ramon and a Shawn Michaels, just even a Shawn Michaels win, I mean, you'd, you'd have, there'd have been more highlights, as it were. Lawrence Taylor and a, a returning Yokozuna were the only highlights. Yeah, it's bizarre. I remember saying on last month's show, I, I feel like they've done a really good, well, not a really good job, but given the, the ingredients they've got, I thought they did a really good job of signing it. I think, looking back, I was probably wrong. Um, they didn't do a great job. And I, you know, I mean, I, Backland and Brett should have been a better match regardless. The same, the, the stipulation took a lot away from it, but it should have been better. Um, but otherwise, like, some of this stuff. I don't know. Chris, uh, you're, well, what we kind of done. Very brief final thoughts and a score rating. Um, uh, for a score rating, I want to give it a four, but I can't justify an extra point, so I'd say, I'd say a three. Just overall, very poised. For me, it wasn't a WrestleMania. The only thing that made it a WrestleMania was the celebrities. And if you have to rely on celebrities to sell your WrestleMania, then you've obviously got problems. So, yeah, a very generous three. Del? I'll be a bit nicer, Bob. I'm going to give it a four. Uh, we mentioned briefly at the start of the show when your house debuts next month. For me, this is what this was. Um, there was some celebrity attractions. Pyro just with any kind of two second gap in the show was they filled it with Pyro. There's some pretty disappointing matches, no really big names wrestling wise. Celebrities they've done as good as they could, but something that we always look at when we're reviewing shows and marking them out of ten, especially when it comes to um Clash of the Champions and the like ECW live events, we can't judge them in the same the same kind of scale as a, a pay-per-view. This is WrestleMania. It should be the biggest and the best show of the year. It was disappointing. It would have been a three, but with Lawrence Taylor in the main event, thought they'd done well. I'll give it a four. We've got a three, we've got a four. I was at a four, but I, I, I have since downgraded it down to a three myself. Uh, yeah, but, well, for, for everything we said, really. Um, just a, 
like not not even a great show going in, but a show it's like well yeah there's you know if 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 Backland and Brett have a match akin to they have at Survivor Series, Razor and Jer, Jeff Jarrett have a match akin to what they have at the Royal Rumble, um, Sean and Diesel have a slightly match that makes more sense. Uh, and that's the main event. It could have been a decent show. I don't think it would have been any better than that, but it could have been a decent show. It could have been, a, yeah, maybe a six. Um, but a lot of mistakes. Two awful matches. Let's be clear about this. They were really, really bad. Um, and yeah, like if it not been for the main event, who knows? Who knows where this show would have been? I, 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 I bear not think. Emotional comments to say these comments occurred in the post WrestleMania 11 press conference. Uh, as far as the million dollar corporation, uh, that's what I got to worry about now. Uh, I don't know where I stand with that, and uh, it's on my mind. And, uh, you know, life goes on for Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, uh, Bam Bam's lost before, you know, but, um, you know, it's not going to change for me. I'm still here in the WWF. It's a new generation, and, uh, I'm going to make it a better generation. I'm going to keep on fighting. WWF Superstars on April 1st was a WrestleMania preview show with Mania running the following evening. They had a very good Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow video package along with previewing the other big matches on the show. On to April 3rd for Monday Night Raw, the opening match was Bob Holly against Hakushi. The new tag team champions Owen Hart and Yokozuna came to ringside. The 1-2-3 kid came out to even the score, but after scaring off Owen, he ate a big kick from Yokozuna. Hakushi won the match thanks to interference from Yokozuna. We hear from the post-WrestleMania press conference, Bam Bam Bigelow is audibly upset, says his main concern is the million dollar corporation right now. Diesel says that if it wasn't for Sid, Diesel would probably be standing there as a challenger, not as a champion. Diesel says that Sean will get his rematch, but warns him that his bodyguard Sid is not his friend, he's in it for himself. Alondra Blaze defeated Bull Nakano to regain the WWF Women's Championship in an excellent television match. Blaze won with a suplex bridge pin. After the match, Blaze was attacked and laid out by an unidentified woman. The WWF are giving away a house as part of the first In Your House shows. Shawn Michaels cuts a promo at the end of Raw. He accepts Diesel's invitation to a rematch. He says he doesn't need a bodyguard and he certainly doesn't need one that ultimately costs him the WWF Championship. He says he's giving Sid the night off. Sid doesn't take this well. We go to a wonderfully time advert break and when we come back Shawn Michaels has been laid out and Diesel is out to run off Sid. On to April 8th for WWF Superstars. Mabel is heel now with Mo. Seems like they've dropped Oscar. We cut back to Raw with a recap of the Diesel promo followed by the full airing of the Sean and Sid segment. This time we see the beatdown. Sean squares up to Sid. Sean says he doesn't need his crap. Turns his back on Sid and then Sid lays him out before hitting a powerbomb, then a second, then a third. Each one involved letting go of Sean at the peak of the move rather than driving him into the mat. We also see Diesel run off Sid, then Sid running scared up the aisleway and Sean being stretched out of the arena. Aldo Montoya, the Portuguese man of war, defeated Jeff Jarrett in a non-title match after they were in a double pin, but Montoya got a shoulder up. The show went off the air with Jarrett refusing to give him a title shot. 
April 10th for Monday Night Raw, Carmire is out wearing an oversized gold neck chain, the story being he's melted down The Undertaker's urn after he stole it at WrestleMania. In the main event, Bret Hart, Bob Holly and the 1-2-3 Kid defeated Owen Hart, Yokozuna and Hakushi when Holly pinned Owen Hart. On WWE Superstars on April 15th, and we've seen the first vignette for Jean-Paul Levesque, now called Hunter Hearst Helmsley. This is essentially the gimmick he would have played alongside Lord Stephen Regal in WCW. We open up April 17th for all with a clip from Sunday's Action Zone. Ted DiBiase introduces the newest member of the Million Dollar Stable, none other than Sid. It's announced that next week on Raw, Bam Bam will be facing Diesel for the WWF Championship. Yokozuna and Owen Hart retained their tag titles against Bob Holly and the 1-2-3 Kid, and the identity of the woman who attacked Lundra Blaze was revealed as Bertha Fay. They showed images of Blaze recovering from a broken nose. She has, in fact, had plastic surgery. Bob Backlund's face turn has seen him take a trip on spring break in a series of bizarre vignettes that aired on WWE Superstars. During an intercontinental title match between Jeff Jarrett and Aldo Montoya, Razor Ramon charges out and runs off Rhodey. Jarrett retains the title with a figure four leg lock. On to the 24th for Raw, Bam Bam Bigelow, sporting an unexplained black eye, lost a match for the WWF title against Diesel. In what was a very good match for TV standards, Tatanka ended up tripping Bam Bam as he bounced off the ropes. Diesel then set up Bam Bam for the powerbomb and got the win. After the match, DiBiase grabbed the microphone and said that Bam Bam has embarrassed him after defeats at the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania and here tonight. DiBiase fires Bam Bam before slapping him. Tatanka attacks Bigelow, but as he rallies and chucks Tatanka over the rope, Bam Bam says he can't be fired because he quit. IRS and Sid come out and attack him. Sid hits him with a powerbomb. Diesel comes back out and cleans house. The final show month sees us move on to Superstars on the 29th of April. Sid squashes Alder Montoya and Bob Backlund is college students at Spring Break to educate the youth of America. Bertha Fay and Hunter Hearst Helmsley will debut on Superstars next week. Bret Hart ends the month by saying he will confront Jerry Lawler next week. It's the day after WrestleMania. Waste is looking pretty good, but... Uh... No WWF championship bout. How do you feel? My back is screaming. I am sore from head to toe. And to be perfectly honest, I feel like I've been run over by a steamroller. Uh, maybe that would be a diesel-powered steamroller. <laughs> Yuckety-yuck, McMick-mannequin. Look. Big Daddy Cool... You are not the only one that had trouble forgetting about our friendship during that match last night. I also had trouble focusing. But you know something? As a WWF competitor, as an athlete, I know that there is nothing, and I mean nothing, more important than the World Wrestling Federation Championship, which you hold, Big Daddy. So therefore, since we're such good friends, I graciously accept your invitation to a rematch. All right? And 
When I win, and rest assured, I will win. Big Daddy, I'll return the favor. All right, but what about the... What about Sid, the comments made by Diesel? Look, look, as far as Sid is concerned, I can live my life just fine without a bodyguard, thank you. I got here because of the heartbreak kid. Quite honestly, I don't need a bodyguard. And I certainly don't need a bodyguard to cause the referee to turn his ankle and cost me the World Wrestling Federation Championship. So, as far as the rematch is concerned, Big Sid, I'm going to do you a favor, big man. In this rematch, I'm giving you the night off. And thank you to Colin for the TV review. Um, not a huge amount to discuss, although to say uh, the women's match between Alunda Blaze and Bull Nakano that aired on the Raw that followed WrestleMania was actually very good and probably would have added at least a point to WrestleMania had it have aired in its same state. Uh, obviously the night before had they ever had the same kind of match um, but we will focus our attention we're going to discuss a couple of WF rated things in a minute but we will focus our attention on the title match that aired on April the 24th uh, Bam Bam Bigelow against Diesel quite what Bam Bam losing in the main event granting him a title match I don't know but we've been there before with with, uh, with WWF granting random raw title matches um, Del what do you think of this match? Without a word of lie, Bob, it's my favourite Diesel single match. That um, tag match for last year, the action zone one way, Razor, Sean and Kid with Diesel was impeccable. But as a singles match, it's honestly my favourite Diesel match today. I'm not a great fan of his. I would have thought Bret Hart aside, I would have thought Shawn Michaels would probably have brought out more in him than pretty much anybody else in that roster, which, as we know, isn't the thickest at the minute. But I, I just thought it was really, really good. I mean, I couldn't quite get away with the the record um, ratings that will come on. I was thinking it was maybe, if you maybe get that, say, the week after a WrestleMania, when people's maybe just tuning in to see what happened at WrestleMania, see where they're going now. I could have believed that. I don't really know where the rating came from, but it was just a really solid match. I mean, there was nothing really that I would say particularly stood out about it, but just for a diesel match, I just thought it was really good. And it just shows that that um, kind of progression with Bam Bam that we were talking about just at the end of the WrestleMania review as well. If he's getting these chances, albeit on a Raw, they've not hold, um, held it back for the, the In Your House debut or anything, but it's never a bad thing to be getting a, a title shot with a, with a champion and it was just a really, really good match. No, I mean, I think regarding the review, uh, the rating, sorry, I, I get the sense that one, perhaps it was just a case of, oh, that's the guy who faced Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania. He's on free yeah. TV. I'm going to watch. And secondly, it was WWF title match. They don't happen all that often on TV. Yeah. I think they're, 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 they're probably, they're actually, well, there's a Jeff Jarrett one a couple of months ago, I suppose, but they're not that frequent. Um, so yeah, yeah, but I, I know what you mean. It, it didn't really stand out or something that necessarily would have been a big draw. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, same. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And it just, for me, I mean, Diesel, since he's become champion, has obviously been carried a great deal in, in his matches. Um, I didn't see a lot of that, especially with Bam Bam Bigelow, who's just carried 
Lawrence Taylor to a, a decent match. I didn't see a lot of that in this, and that's what surprised me. Um, my concern is that I think this is could be the last we'll see of Bam Bam Bigelow in the sort of main event title match uh, spotlight. It smacks of sort of, you know, thank you for what you've done. Here's your title shot. Now we're going to bump you down back to the mid-card. I, can see I, I think ha- had this been a year ago and had we been on a on a schedule that had five pay-per-views in a year, I, I might agree. But if Diesel's going to go deep into this year as champion and probably into 1996 and they've got a pay-per-view almost every month, I think they might have to revisit that at some point. I, 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 I can't imagine they wouldn't. I'd cons- I'd, I'd, if Diesel was on the verge of a heel turn, then I'd agree. But the fact that, he's, that Bam Bam Bigelow's turned first... And I don't see Diesel losing the title anytime soon. I just don't see him revisiting this. Um, That's a fair so, point. Uh, but yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, as per the ratings, um, for me, it's just that that the title match on Raw explains it for me. Um, the fact that it was the highest was the highest number since since um, uh, it was the clash in August yeah. with with Hogan and Flair, um, yeah. which which is the highest ever for any. Wrestling show in the United well, States on I mean, television. That in itself is quite a surprise. Um, but like I say, on the back of uh, WrestleMania with Lawrence Taylor, said it would make more sense if it was the night after. Sorry, the, the, the Monday night raw after. But yeah, it was uh, overall. I thought it was really enjoyable, and I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, to be clear on the numbers, it was the highest raw rating ever and the most number of people slash homes that saw a wrestling show on TV since Flair and Hogan. I think the the Flair Hogan thing, I think, was a case of it shows previously had done bigger ratings because they were older and therefore available in fewer places or less people had televisions. But I think Flair and Hogan had the volume, but not the percentage. I think just to, to clear that bit up. Um, Chris, what, what what do you think of the Bam Bam face turn? I mean, uh, yeah, we, we we heard the the clip from the the press conference after WrestleMania that aired on TV about three times actually, and Bam Bam sounding quite remorseful. Um, in embryo, I, 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 sorry, in isolation rather, I get that I I think the the turn made sense. It was quite organic. Um, but given the makeup of the WWF roster, excuse me, given that Shawn Michaels is a babyface now as well, it leaves them incredibly lopsided. This is my concern with it. Had um, there been a Diesel turn or maybe a Razor Ramon turn, guys who he can actually work with, then I'd have been all for it. But at the moment, I just don't see, after a, a feud with uh, the Million Dollar Corporation, I don't see what else is left for him to do. Um, and I, I do think it's a good. I mean, the guys, the guys that talented, he's obviously been able to pull off uh, playing a great heel. And as we've seen in the last few weeks, he does come off as a likable babyface as well. But I just don't see what else, what potentially, what's what they can do with him. Del, I mean, we we we'd be looking at Owen Hart had they not have done nothing with him since November. We'd be yeah. looking at. Yokozuna, potentially if he was fitter. Uh, we'd be looking at Bam Bam if he was a heel. Um, none of those are ideal. Uh, I guess you, you, you look at turning Razor Ramon. You might, you might look at bringing in Shane Douglas and sticking him straight in the main event. I don't think I'd do that. Um, but that could be an option. They're not out of options, but 
they're going to have to change a few things. About yeah, the options oh. that they've got aren't really glaring you in the, the face, are they? I mean, you've got... You've got heels. You've got bad guys on that roster. I think the problem that they've got, though, Bob, is they don't have them at the right level. We've saw the biggest matches that Diesel's had defending that belt. He was against Bret Hart, who is probably the best worker in the world at the minute, so much so that he's able to wrestle a bad guy style, which we've seen at the Rumble, and that worked. We've seen it with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, Personally, don't think it works. Sean has got a very babyface style. He does a lot of high flying. He does a lot of selling. He evokes emotions for the crowd. I, I just don't see anybody at that main event, that main event status apart from probably Yokozuna. Um, does that fulfill me with promise? The, the prospect of that kind of bam bam Yoko match or a diesel Yoko match. Not really, and does this mean that we're going to be going back to a, a Bundy and a, a Bundy and a Backland again? Which is well, just... well, I, I can I can confirmly categorically rule out Backland, given that Backland is now a babyface, and it since WrestleMania has been airing in vignettes on spring break. Uh, if you ever get a chance to find these, they're largely aired on superstars. So I don't know how easy they're going to be for people to track down. Uh, these are, oh. th- th- they're not really great because they're not, but it's just like, what the hell is this? We, oh no, got, they do sound great. Uh, we, we've got Backland who is effectively a babyface now, although not the most overt or obvious to spot babyface, but he's definitely not heel anymore. Uh, and yes, he is just wandering around, chatting to students, doing his usual, do you know what this murd means, shtick. Um, but yeah, they've ruined him, uh, they've given up with Owen, uh, Yokozuna, uh, I know, it, it, it's gonna be an interesting time, because I don't know how they're gonna approach month to month. Is it gonna be, particularly while Diesel's on top, every month we're gonna need a different opponent? Is Diesel just gonna kinda go into Hulk Hogan or fast forward? Build the guy up, knock him down, build the guy up, knock him down, build the guy up, knock him down. If they go into that mode, and he's gotta do a show basically every month. Yep. You're going to need a long line of people and we might end up almost kind of back in the territory days where they kind of just end up bringing guys in just for the purpose of losing to Diesel. So it's, say, just him running over the entire roster. That is possible. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's an intriguing time. Batman Bigelow, as a face turn, I think just about makes sense. But I think they need to move about three people across to the heel side. I think we'll discuss that more next month when we discuss the, the top end of, uh, of the uh, of the roster. Um, we will move on to discuss Shawn Michaels. Um, Del, Shawn, uh, we, we had the thing after as we were covered in the TV review, the thing after WrestleMania, obviously where uh, he said, Sid, your service requirements. Sid didn't like that. Beat him up. Sean's been written off television as is going to come back as a baby face. Um, Del, I, I think that move, I don't think we can really have much umbrage with after WrestleMania. Nap. The, the reactions that he gets, the matches that he puts on, I think it could actually be a really, really good thing for him. To be honest, Bob, I think something that kind of hurt me as a bit of a, a, an obstacle for Sean at WrestleMania was being billed as that bad guy, being billed as the the favourite against what Chris had said earlier on, a guy that's a foot taller than him, 100 pounds heavier than him. It didn't work. Sean has got that ability in matches to pull emotions out of people. Yep, he can do it as a bad guy. He can do it as... 
is kind of just annoying people because he's got that kind of face that you would probably quite enjoy slapping. But just the, the way that he wrestles, the style that he's got, he's just he just screams a baby face. As I say, I was convinced going into WrestleMania that that was where they were going. I thought it was Sean's time. He's getting the belt, or at least winning or kind of coming out looking a lot stronger. And then maybe turning Diesel or Diesel siding with Sid, something along those lines, which they kind of seem to have done in the aftermath more than anything else. But I, I just think it's got to be a good thing for him. It's going to change the the guys that he's working with. It gives you the, the opportunity for matches that we've not seen for him. I mean, he wasn't particularly active throughout 1994. So I think it just shows a, a different side to him. I think it, I think it might even be a good chance for them to really kind of just size him up as that, as that guy. Whether he could, whether he could carry the company at this point, I don't know, but it, it's definitely something that, that I'm certainly willing to put stock in. Chris? Yeah, agreed. Um, my only concern is, uh, when he comes back, I don't see him being put into the, the the main event. Uh, I don't think he's going to work with Diesel with them both being baby, baby faces. So I can see him dropping down, maybe going after the Intercontinental title. Um, so that's the only temporary downside to it. But in terms of long term, I think it's a great decision. And I think he can. Yeah, it's, I agree with Dal. I'm not sure if he can carry the company, but I'm, I do think he can be sort of the top tier um, who's constantly in the main event. Guys like who we come up with Bret Hart and. And I'd like to see a, a, a program with Diesel, with Diesel turning heel. I'm not sure, you know, if we're going to get that because they seem pretty invested in Diesel as a baby face, but a lot of potential definitely in a first Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I, I think it's it's not necessarily a move that were Shawn uh, a, a good, not, not a good heel, but were Shawn kind of firmly entrenched as a heel the crowd disliked. It's not necessarily a move at this stage that I think you'd be all over, but given that, one, the way he wrestles, and two, just his kind of popularity as a good guy, I just think it's something you kind of have to do. I think it it, it wouldn't make sense to do otherwise. They've written him off. Uh, and, yeah, Chris, I think you are right. The, the, the one concern, perhaps, is that while Sean was a heel, they could do Sean against Diesel. I don't think they should have done it again. I'd say they came out of WrestleMania and decided just to do Sean and Diesel again with Sean as a heel at the first in your house. I wouldn't have advocated that because I think that Diesel-Sean thing could have turned further and then you might end up in a position where Sean was being heavily cheered and Diesel was being booed. Um, yeah, again, it's that was the move they had to make and it's now how do they move elsewhere and what do they do with Sean when he returns? I would guess the logical thing to do would be Diesel beats Sean and then we do Sean against Sid as almost a kind of main event non-title program. Or if they really want to be a bit funky with it they could have Sid beat Diesel and then have Sean chase Sid I don't think they're going to do that um, but that is an option um, and that will wrap up this half of volume one uh, we are going to come back the other side of these clips and we're going to be looking at WCW we'll start with the news uh, and then we've got Ric Flair to discuss it's not bad enough it's not bad enough as the Royal Rumble you lost to the one, two, three kid and Bob Sparks plug Holly and embarrassed and humiliated 
the corporation. If that wasn't bad enough, you challenged Lawrence Taylor and the corporation, and I stood behind you 100%. Not only did we stand behind you, we were at ringside behind you at WrestleMania. And you lost to a football player. And you embarrassed and humiliated me again. And now, now this, now this, Bigelow, now this, you embarrassed me again. Nobody embarrasses the corporation or the million-dollar man a third time. I had a Bam Bam. I had the World Wrestling Federation kind of right here in the palm of my hand. One, two, three strikes, you're out. Something has to be done, Bigelow, and I'm going to do it right now. You are fired. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Look out. Tatanka attacking Pam Pam Bigelow. Tatanka going to work on Pam Pam. Imagine the nerve of Pippen. Wait a minute. move on to WCW, I will start us off with the news that Ric Flair has been reinstated into in-ring action in WCW this month after about three weeks of television saw him voted back in by the WCW board. After initial vote came back tied, there was campaigning by both Hogan and Savage as well as Flair himself in some truly inspired Be Fair to Flair paid for TV segments. Ultimately, a second vote by the board saw a vote in Flair's uh, favour uh, as in to return to the ring, who has since united with Arn Anderson and Vader. He will team with Vader in the Slambury main event against Savage and Hulk Hogan. And going a bit further afield, a New Japan show hosted in North Korea just obliterated any kind of pro wrestling attendance records this month. Um, certainly at least the ones we can verify were reported 340,000 people watching across two days. The show held in Pyongyang was headlined by the returning Ric Flair and he was going up against Japanese legend Antonio Wenoki. It's said that WCW may attempt to take the credit for the show's success, at least in the United States. News on the Hogan-Vader feud is good from a business standpoint. Superall did a 0.95 buy rate, just fractionally lower than Flair and Hogan last year. The 220,000 buyers would equate to a revenue in the region of $2.45 million, of which Hulk Hogan would pocket over half a million. WCW Uncensored in March did a 0.96 buy rate, and with the increase in price, it would mean it was the biggest revenue turner for WCW ever. The $2.84 million gross sees Hulk Hogan pocket about $725,000. There will be one more Hogan Vader match, in theory, uh, in July. And talking of the, the payouts to Hulk Hogan, the company, WCW, went through some further cuts, uh, cost-cutting measures this month. Uh, included the departures of Jim Barnett, Don Sandifer and Bob Dew. Eric Bischoff is under pressure to cut these costs further, and while no more in-ring departures have happened yet, names like The Butcher, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman have all been rumoured. And finally in WCW, some 
miscellaneous news. The Steiners have reached an agreement to participate on three upcoming WCW pay-per-views, their debut slated for the Great American Bash in June. And as you will hear in Volume 2, uh, after Sabu was fired by ECW, he is now in talks uh, with WCW. They want to bring him as a cruiserweight, but it's understood that he doesn't want to be defined as a small guy. No doubt about it, the three faces of fear, at least two of them right here, continue to win, but there's talk over the last couple of weeks about problems in your camp, Kevin Sullivan. First of all, Tony Schiavone, you're just like the rest of the media. There's no prop. Looks like a problem here to me. What's going on? I want something to say to Butcher. You've been messing up a lot lately. At Starcade, you should have been the new WCW heavyweight champion. Clash of Champions, you and Kevin had Hogan and Savage beat. You messed up. Last week, you messed up my match. Wait a second, second, Avalanche. What are you trying to say? Just like the federal law now, three strikes and he should be out. What do you want to do? Terminate him? What do you want to do? You want to hurt him? Let me tell you something, Avalanche. We're the three faces of fear. Well, he's hurting us. Wait a second. We're not the three faces of confusion. If I thought the way you did, I'd stomp a mud hole in him. But I don't think that way. You see, Avalanche, what you have to do is get compassion. People do make mistakes. Butcher has made a mistake a few times. You got a mistake a few times. A few mistakes a lot of times. You gotta realize maybe that there's still a little bit of Hulkamania in his brain. Maybe you and I need to show him what compassion really is. Butcher, I think you know, a few mistakes. You gotta overlook a few mistakes here and there. You know, hey, we're the faces of fear, brother, not the faces of confusion, right? You're absolutely right. And I think, like the Avalanche says, compassion. We will teach you what compassion is all about. Push it. It's okay. Okay, everything is okay with the three faces of fear and some compassion as well. We start on April 1st with WCW Saturday Night. Nick Buckwinkle leads a bizarre segment with WCW directors on the future of Ric Flair, with board members flown in from the United States, Spain, Germany, Japan and France. The US and Spain vote no, Germany and Japan vote yes and France abstain. So with the vote tied, Buckwinkle said that the status quo would remain Ric Flair would remain retired. A paid for Ric Flair segment aired. Flair called himself a philanthropist and he asked that people be fair to Flair. We cut to Flair in a studio with highlights intertwined. Flair lists 10 reasons why he should be reinstated. Number 10, he gave us the figure 4. Number 9, without him, people would think Alex Wright could dance. Number 8, quite brilliantly, he hasn't wrestled since October. Number 7, he might buy WCW and fire everybody. Number six, he's still on everyone's mind. Number five, women are going crazy. Flair cited uncensored where a woman ran in from the crowd and attacked Savage. Number four, if Flair isn't in WCW, are they going to close down Space Mountain? Number three, the whole world is going through Flair withdrawal. Number two, 
Flair is a kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, limousine-riding, jet-flying son of a gun. And finally, number one is simply... Woo! Avalanche is angry at Butcher, saying he's made three mistakes. Sullivan tries to reason with Avalanche. He says, we're the three faces of fear, not the three faces of confusion. He says they have to see compassion. Sullivan says that he thinks there is still a bit of Hulkamania in Butcher. He says they will teach him compassion. We're back in London with Robert Eaton and Lord Stephen Regal. Eaton is getting diction lessons from Regal ahead of meeting the Queen of England. The main event of Johnny B. Bad and Alex Wright against Arn Anderson and Steve Austin ended via DQ after the interference from Colonel Robert Parker. Sting ran out to fend off a heel beatdown. On to April 2nd for WCW main event and we're with Lord Stephen Regal and Robert Eaton on their way to beat the Queen. The Queen knighted him Earl Robert. Rod Regal was emotional at the ceremony. The main event tag team title match between the Nasty Boys and Harlem Heat ended, wait for it, in a disqualification for an over-the-top rope infringement. April 8th at WCW Saturday night, we get an interview with Nick Bockwinkle who says that the reaction last week to Ric Flair's news has been overwhelming and there will be another meeting next week between the WCW board and Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage are invited. Nobody leaves until a firm decision is made. <clears throat> Brad Armstrong challenged Big Bubba to a match on WCW main event after getting tired of Bubba's actions. We've got another Be Fair to Flair segment. Flair is on set with a life-size cardboard cutout of Hulk Hogan. Flair admires Hogan's physique. He wants Hogan to give him the opportunity. If Hogan put in a good word, then Ric Flair could be reinstated. Flair says if he allows him to do that, if Hogan is fair to Flair, he will become a Hulkamaniac. He promises never to chop him again, kick him in the leg, put his thumb in his eye, pull his hair, or lock in the figure four. Well, with Jimmy Hart in the WCW office, he says there's tons of fan mail asking about Renegade. We then get a very generic video package with Renegade doing his best warrior impression. Lord Stephen Regal and Earl Robert Eaton debut in a squash match tag victory. Heenan has christened them as the Blue Bloods. During the main event, Sting hit Steve Austin with a tombstone pile driver, but it wasn't enough to win the match. Austin got his foot on the rope, but lost shortly after due to a roll-up in a very good TV main event. Hogan and Savage are out at the end of the show talking Ric Flair. Hogan says they have the momentum to get Flair reinstated. Jimmy Hart says he has thousands of letters wanting Flair's reinstatement. On main event on April 9th, Big Bubba defeated Brad Armstrong. Bobby Heenan wants the opportunity to vote on the Flair situation himself, but Oakland says Heenan might well be open to bribery on the situation. Heenan isn't happy with this suggestion. We're on WCW Saturday night on April 15th. Bobby Heenan has some official correspondence from Diamond Dallas Page. A large photo of Page having won $13 million in Las Vegas. Tony Schiavone doubts his legitimacy. At the hospital with Dave Sullivan who says he's getting better and thanks the fans for their well wishes. Sullivan gets a call from Hogan but eventually puts the phone down on him when what appears to be the Diamond Doll comes in and gives him a gift. 
we cut to the revote in the WCW office about the future of Flair. Hart, Hogan and Savage state their case before the five WCW officials cast their votes again. This time, the vote is 3-2 to two in favour of Flair's return. Ric Flair is back on the WCW roster. WCW are hosting a 16-man United States Championship tournament across TV in the coming weeks. Ric Flair is the f- in the first round. The final will be held at the Great American Bash pay-per-view in June. During the main event, Vader and Arn Anderson vs. Stars and Stripes, Ric Flair comes out and high-fives Vader. Flair looks very happy. Patriot gets dumped to the outside and Flair beats him up. Vader then goes to pin Patriot who kicks out but the bell rings anyway. There's confusion but the match continues eventually Vader headbutts Bagwell and Anderson gets the pin. Flair ends the show beating up a Hulk Hogan foam hand. In a post-match promo Vader unites with Anderson and Flair and calls them the measuring stick in wrestling. On to April 16th for WCW main event, Arn Anderson faced Brian Pillman. Ric Flair came out and attacked Pillman on the outside with the referee distracted. Arn Anderson held on to Flair's hand as leverage for a pinfall. Alex Wright came out to alert the referee about his error. Uh, Flair was outraged. April 22nd takes us to WCW Saturday night. Brian Pillman faces off against Bunkhouse Buck, but takes the house mic before the match begins and apologises for attacking Colonel Robert Parker a few months back. He then calls him a great manager. The whole thing ended up being a bizarre ploy by Pillman, who anticipated an ambush from Buck and used the eventual distraction to roll up Buck for the win. Pillman wasn't fit to compete in the match after being dropped on his head by a jobber at the same set of tapings, so this was a way of progressing him without needing to wrestle a full match. Eric Bischoff is at a restaurant with Diamond Dallas Page and the Diamond Doll. Dallas talks us through a preposterous story about how he earned his $13 million in Vegas. Eventually, the whole skit leads to Page saying he wants to win a title. We cut to footage of WCW Worldwide and the final split of the three faces of fear. During their tag team match against Stars and Stripes, Butcher came off the top rope but hit Kevin by accident. In a post-match interview segment, an irate Kevin Sullivan starts attacking the Butcher on the stage and pile drives him for good measure. Sting defeated Arn Anderson in the main event in an excellent TV match. The match was one of the first round US title tournament matches. Sting won with a sharpshooter. In the main event of main event on April 23rd, Steve Austin appeared to defeat Jim Duggan in a US title tournament match. Duggan went for a back suplex pin, but with both pairs of shoulders down, Austin kicked out and Duggan couldn't while his leg was being held by Colonel Robert Parker. April 29th brings us to the final WCW Saturday Night in the Month. During a Nasty Boys squash match where Sags and Nobs observed tags but both stayed in the ring, Bobby Heenan said on commentary, It's like Oakland with his fourth divorce. He just stayed there. Couldn't get rid of him for two years. She was an 83-year-old woman. Since the reinstatement of Ric Flair, Hogan and Savage had been cutting pre-tape promos ahead of Slam Breed touting the Renegade as the third man to even up the numbers against Flair, Vader and Anderson. In these promos, lightning would strike in the background and Renegade would appear. However, 
On this show, the lightning struck and Renegade wasn't there. Hogan sent Savage and Hart off to find him. Antonio Inoki joins Dusty Rhodes and Wahoo McDaniels as the current inductees in the 1995 WCW Hall of Fame ceremony at Slamboree. Meng defeated Marcus Bagwell in a US title tournament match. We go shopping with DDP and the Diamond Doll. DDP, now an art critic it seems, heads into a gallery and buys every piece. He buys a lot of clothing for the Diamond Doll too, but spits out his cigar when she suggests buying a wedding dress. We join Dave Sullivan doing some training workouts with some children as he rehabs his injury. This turns into a Rocky-style vignette complete with a Jimmy Hart knockoff version of the soundtrack. Mean Gene Oakland in a WCW Hotline preview mentions about 10 different quote-unquote superstars who may be either arriving at or leaving the company. Ric Flair made his return to the ring alongside Arn Anderson with Vader in their corner. The pair won a long-ish, surprisingly even match against Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner. After threatening a post-match beatdown, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan ran out but couldn't take advantage. Anderson grabs a chair, but out comes Renegade. He sees off the threat of the heels. You know, Magenta, when all else fails, I've always been able to make an appeal to a beautiful woman. Women relate to Ric Flair. They understand me because they see the greatness in me. And right now, I'm walking that fine line. I'm in political exile. I'm caught up in Ric Flair's own world. Hogan wants me. Savage wants me. Sting wants me. Brockwinkle wants me. The whole world wants Ric Flair. But I'm on the outside right now looking in. I'm looking good, though, aren't I? Don't answer. Don't get too excited. Don't give them too much right now, Virginia. You see, they don't understand what this is all about. This is about Ric Flair, the greatest of all time. I've styled and I've profiled. I've walked that aisle. I've danced all night. I've been Ric Flair all around the world 11 times. I've been the greatest of all time. This is paid for by Ric Flair. So watch it. That's why he I am Ric Flair. That's why I'm the greatest. But now, Magenta, we're going to show him the tough side of Ric Flair. We're going to show him the, the fierce competitor. We're going to show him the heart of a lion. We're going to show him the greatest of all time. Lock it up. Tie it up. Put the figure. Hogan, I'm bigger than you. All right. All right, Virginia. I'm bigger than Hogan. Look at me, Hulk. Whoa. Woo. It's so hot. I'm sure, Magenta, that if I hadn't paid for it, you'd have paid for it. Someone out there would have paid for it. It's about the life and time of the greatest of all. Do you hear it? It's got Jet Magenta! It's got Kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, son of a gun, coming out me again! And you know what, Magenta? I'm gonna show you how I beat them all over the years with the figure four. Watch this, Magenta! It's coming up right now! The Nature Boy! Woo! I'm gonna give you one last treat. Everybody out there, ten reasons why WCW should be fair to Ric Flair. Number 10, the figure four leg lock, I made it a household name. Number 9, without me everyone thinks Alex Wright can dance. Can you imagine that agenda? Number 8, I'm living up to my end of the bargain. I haven't wrestled since October. Number 7, because I just might buy the company and fire everyone. Number 6, I'm still in everyone's mind. Just listen to Hogan and Savage. 
Number five, women are going crazy. Look what happened to Savages Uncensored. A half-crazed woman came out of the stand and beat him up. Number four, if I'm not in WCW, what are they going to do? Close down Space Mountain? <laughs> Number three, the whole world's going through flare withdrawal. Number two, I'm a kid feeling, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. And the number one reason WCW should be fair to Flores. Chris, let's talk these Ric Flair segments. Very entertaining. Um, for me, not something you don't see enough of in pro wrestling. Uh, I especially love the, um, the sort of the scene where they have the votes with uh, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. Um, and yeah, I just thought that overall, the overall sort of uh, idea was great and it's good to have Ric Flair back. Dill. I've got my reservations about just from a storyline point of view, Bob, with the full build up and pretty much selling a show in the back of it being Ric Flair's last match last year. But end of the day, it's a new year. We've only just started with Mist Flair. Is there an argument with the, the kind of roster's age, average age across the, the top end of that roster? We'll be coming on to that, but at the end of the day, it's Ric Flair. He's as good a, a worker as there's ever been. You've seen how entertaining he can be just in the last couple of weeks of TV with his fair flair segments. Um, a personal highlight was that vote, and we've got the, the Germany representative, which appeared to be called Diet Crap. But it, it was just, it's just good TV. He can talk anybody into an arena. He can put matches on with anybody. I'm a bit sceptical with the full, yeah, we'll, we'll get people to buy this. We're telling them it's Ric Flair's last match. Give it a couple of months and then they'll forget. A wee bit, yeah. But at the end of the day, as I say, it's Ric Flair. Glad to have him back. I don't even have a massive umbrage with him coming back. I, I think the, the story they told was actually pretty good. Um, in terms of they, they, they didn't, they didn't shy away from the, the, the Flair retirement thing. It was mentioned pretty regularly pretty much since November. When Flair returned to TV in February, he said, I've not returned to the ring uh, in the Be Fair to Flair segments. He's just, one of his te- uh, just a phenomenal segment. One of his ten reasons for wanting to come back was, well, I haven't wrestled yet. So that makes sense. I mean, that, <laughs> what, what an awesome segment that was. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't, I don't have, you know, I was looking for it and I kind of went, well, they, they did quite a clever way of getting to this point. And I don't get the sense your average fan would watch it, particularly with Hogan and, and Savage campaigning for his return and the way they told it. I, I think they did just about all they could to have pulled the story off without completely kind of screwing things up with, with Flair's retirement step. These segments were tremendous. <laughs> I mean, this, this is, this is Flair on a level that I'm not sure anyone can touch. You know, I mean, they, they weren't traditional wrestling promos. You heard one of them. There is another one, part two, with, with Flair talking to a, uh, Hulk Hogan cardboard <laughs> cutout, which is fantastic. almost Absolutely as funny. fantastic. I know. I, I, I'm not going to put in both, but I, I could. 
but yeah, seek out the second B Fair to Flair as well. But that really good. Like I said they, they weren't archetypal wrestling promos. You, you couldn't compare them to say a, a Cactus Jack, who I think is probably on a par with him and Douglas right now as the, as the three best talkers in North America. All cutting very different promos, it should be said. Um, but just a tremendous segment, and we got to. Yeah, the rest of the TV, and I only sent you guys kind of those three bits, but Flair came back in on like the first TV taping or the first full show after he'd been reinstated. And my favourite part was he just came up to ringside, just high-fived Arn Anderson mid-match. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, the, the trio of him, Anderson and Vader looks really good. Um, you know, uh, uh, they did a tremendous job with that. And uh, it's very, you know, it's, it's really exciting. I have to say, WCW Saturday night in 94 was really dull. It was squash match promo, squash match promo, squash match promo, main event ends in a DQ, maybe a promo next week. Nothing happened. Since probably the blacktop bully stuff that aired uh, in mid-December, I'd say, since then... The show has gradually improved. It's become a bit more story unorientated. You're still getting your, your filler promos and, and a lot of squash matches. Um, but they're doing a really good job. Uh, and these things combined with a lot of, and we even had, we had Brad Armstrong calling out Big Bubba for one, for one night, which ended up, you know, justifying a main event, admittedly a main event match, which Big Bubba won. Um, but yeah, Saturday night has got very good these days. There's a lot more storyline stuff led to it. There's a DDP thing that we don't really have time to talk about, but they're trying to flesh out his character, even though like, they hadn't really bothered before. Um, and they're starting to make me care about these acts, and that's a big improvement. Why did it take you so long to realize that beautiful Bobby would be a... Excuse me, you pathetic little wretch. Your opinion has no meaning to me whatsoever. When Earl Robert was endeared by Her Majesty the Queen, the most outstanding and wonderful lady to ever grace the face of this earth, it was undoubtedly the finest and most emotional part of my life. And after the endearment, we sat with Her Majesty and ate cucumber sandwiches and drank tea and discussed the future of our grappling cooperative. We... That's a peg to you from more on, yes. We have decided that there is no place for any other tag team here at World Championship Wrestling. They may all as well just go and find other jobs. It also troubles me that WCW is turning into a welfare center, some kind of charity case. I mean, look at the two people we've just had to wrestle. Did they... Drag them off the street somewhere. What do you think about it, Robert? This pickle. Oh, my George, you've got it. It is shameful. The way that these poor wretches shouldn't be allowed even to put wrestling boots on. It's a disgrace to the profession of kings. When the Queen told us to come back to America to grace these despicable shores, this land of decadence and debauchery, we said, okay, anything or Her Majesty. But now, the warning is here. Since we have to suffer in this miserable, wretched land, every tag team in WCW will suffer also. 
And finally for this month, we're going to do, uh, well, we did it for ECW. Uh, that was it last month, ECW. We take this month's ECW so long ago. I can't, I can't I think it was March, yep. I think it was March. Um, so we, we're going to do what we did last year with WWF and WCW and uh, last month on ECW and kind of look through the top end of the roster and uh, discuss uh, six names I picked out. Me and Dale are going to lead this. Chris, chip in. I know, I know you don't follow WCW that closely, but chip in as and if and when you, you, you have something to say. Um, but we're going to look at kind of the top six names in WCW, look at whether they're the right guys to be on top and also pair some of them off against each other and discuss where they should perhaps go going forward uh Del, we have to start with hulk hogan that's that's obvious yep. um you know i, I think we well you know go back to our end of year review show in 94 for all the positives and negatives around hogan there are many in both sides but you look at those bar rate numbers and bar that credit has to go to vader as well but you look at those bar rates for the last two shows two shows that didn't really have a lot else going for them um and this is why Hogan's here. This is why Hogan's in place. Yeah. And he's he's worth it. He just, he draws eyes, Bob. That's all WCW booked him for. It's all they hired him for. It's all they seemingly pay him hundreds upon thousands of dollars for it each and every month. I mean, that's what he's there for, is to draw the eyes of those that know who Hulk Hogan is, but don't know who WCW is. So far, you can't argue with him delivering. Um, it was something we were all a bit sceptical of when coming in. It's Hogan. We've seen it. Big leg, big, uh, big boot, leg drop, wins, gets a belt, brother, brother, mean gene, that's it. But he's still got it. He's still got that charisma. Would we like to see him, especially the last half of 94, do more? Probably, yeah, because I mean, it was, it was all just with Ric Flair, but, the matches that were there were really, really good. And I mean, I would like to see him next, perhaps building up others. Um, it's good to see Vader getting that shot with him in the, the last couple of months because he deserves it. He's the best big man in the world at the minute. He's a great heel. I mean, he's lost hardly race, but he's not lost a step with it. It's just, Hogan draws eyes, he draws money. You can't go wrong with that, and if that gets an extra set of eyes looking at Hogan, and in the off chance they also see a Regal, a Rhodes, an Austin, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, again, you know, the, we, we've gone through all this before in terms of the upsides and the downsides, um, but it's certainly... The long and the short of it is, is that Hogan's value is still big. And I come back to uh, to Super Brawl in, uh, in February, in the sense that there's a lot of crap that comes with Hogan himself forget all the baggage that comes with the guys that come along with him mm-hmm. a lot of the Hogan stuff is a bit one dimensional it's a bit 1980s throwback as is a lot of what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes but in terms of when it comes to the big match Hogan still has that feel that I don't think anybody else has I don't think Flair had it last year I don't think anybody in the WWF has got right now is that when Hogan's in a match and it feels like a big match it's not you know we certainly didn't see it with the Butcher match at Starcade in December uh, which even four months on already feels ridiculous <laughs> um, God knows how that's going to age as a main event um, but when he's in, he's in the ring with a believable opponent, it's really good. With yeah. Vader, it's really good. With Flair, it's really good. And all they've got to do is make sure they've got a, a line of guys that they can put 
in matches with Hogan and they'll be all right. And, and, and with the guys are about to come on to, I think that's, that's fair enough. Um, Chris, um, and anything to add? And I'll give you a question if you don't have much to add in terms of what do you think about Hogan now compared to mid eighties WWF Hulk Hogan? Cause I, I've, having looked at like, I think Hogan now looks way better as a much more lean athletic looking bloke than he ever did in the mid eighties. Yeah, I think um, in terms of his all-round performance, I think his matches now have, are more enjoyable than they were ever been for me. Uh, for me, Hogan's always been kind of one-dimensional in the ring. I think Dell touched on it. What they need to avoid is sort of repeating the same mistakes, as in sort of having him go off against the same guys. What they need to use Hogan for is try and elevate other guys. I mentioned sort of Steve Austin. Um, if they can use these guys... Vader to elevate these guys and, you know, so they can become main event stars in themselves. And I think, um, I think Hogan's role in the company is sort of justified. Um, if he's just going to be sort of repeating the same matches, then I'm not particularly sure it's going to work long term. Um, I would like to see something a little bit different from him. It's, it's all sort of Hulk Hogan. It's in terms of, um, him elevating other stars. I think that's the best approach that he can go for. Randy Savage, Dill. Personally, I would like to see him turn. Bob, I would like to see him and Hogan going together. There's that story there where, going back to the days of the Mega Powers and them breaking up, we never seen it really fully play out. And I think there's still a lot of legs in that. When you've got these kind of names, as much as we want to see them elevate others, these guys don't have a lot of time when you're talking, especially as Chris was saying, long term, these guys don't have a lot of time to be at the top of their game in ring. Some would argue more so perhaps with Hogan than Savage, but some would say they're already past that, which is certainly a fair argument. But we don't have a lot of time left for these two to get their story told for themselves. Long term, they're looking at they're looking at bringing up other guys, the younger guys in the roster, your Regals, your Rhodes. But as we are at the minute, the way I would see it is these two guys have got to get the eyes on the product that they can bring and then the company can look to build the foundations under that. That's what they're brought in for their marquee names. Hogan has just magnified the the level of interest in this company, which can't be denied for either side for WCW having the quite frankly the balls to bring him in it was a really ballsy move and it's delivered when when you're seeing the buy rates and the ratings that they're getting in their TV show but Savage has got a lot to do with that as well, Savage is a big name and there's there's no one like him in the, in the country at the minute, there's nobody that talks like him, there's nobody that looks like him there's very few in the ring that can go like him as well and I mean I think he's, he's it's almost as if he's got a lot more to prove than Hogan with that in the last year that he had in, in WWF where you could just tell where I'm dressed to he was dressed to wrestle and he was sitting at a commentary desk and he didn't want to be there and he could he still got a lot to to bring in that aspect which is probably something that we could even see for him say five, ten years down the line in WCW we could see him at a, at a commentary desk when maybe Bobby moves on or he can add in a bit of colour there but at the minute He's got to bring it in ring and he's got to be given the chance to do that because there's, there's still very few more captivating in the world than Randy Savage for me, Bob. 
Yeah, I, I, I think they're waiting to turn him heel. Um, apparently they might not do it until the beginning of next year now, which I suspect is a bit too far away. Mm. I mean, uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I guess that the, there's the natural him and Flair feud next because they're not going to go back to Flair and Hogan, and so that's that's the logical yeah. de facto feud. Um, but yeah, Savage strikes me as a guy who there's, there's not that long left with him as a draw, um, and so you kind of get you might have two years in him. And you've just got to milk him for what he's worth. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's a great performer. Well, I don't think he's a great wrestler these days. Performance wise, he's still got it. Um, but I don't think he's capable of having those great matches anymore unless he's in the ring with it. Well, this was him and Flair, maybe, but I, I wonder if that's a few years too late. Um, but yeah, it, it, in terms of him as a, as, as a draw, he's still got it. Um, and I would, Chris. Yeah. Um, I was quite vocal when it came to Savage's position in WWF um, when they were sort of transitioning him from an in-ring competitor to a commenter. I felt he had quite a lot left to give um, when it came to working with the younger guys. So naturally, in WCW, I think he has got a a lot left to give. Um, As mentioned, he's still a draw. Um, I don't think he's got a great deal of time left uh, when it comes to putting on great matches, but... I do think that he's still got uh, an in-ring value. So, yeah, I think uh, sort of a couple more years with him sort of on top. Uh, I would like to see uh, another programme with him and Hogan with, him t- with, with Savage turning heel. I think, um, I think there's potential there. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite happy to see him carry on for a couple more years. Um, Dale, we have spoken about Flair, so we'll keep this more brief. Uh, but your thoughts on Ric Flair? It's kind of similar to the... The two we've already discussed, Bob. These are without doubt the biggest names that WCW has got. Hogan was brought in as a flagship. He's done it. Savage was brought in as a name. He can do it. Flair, we've not seen him for a couple of months. We've still seen he can be as entertaining with the segments that we've discussed. It's where they go next with him. Is he going to be that kind of on-off babyface heel that he's done before? Is he going to be what he's done with Vader in recent times where he's kind of taking a bit of a back step but now he's just got the option where he can go in ring so something happens there's a bit of jiggery pokery somebody gets annoyed at him he can then step in and settle a feud with him now it's it's where they go with him next again he's not blessed with years left but he's still Ric Flair and we've seen that he can still do the matches so I think this will be I think this could possibly be the last big year of Ric Flair and hopefully it's one to remember yeah uh, it's kind of a repeat of the other two like you you sense the short shelf life of them all is quite short um, and and it's really the undertone of all of this and we have gone quite long so I I won't won't let us flesh out this point but I think the undertone of all of this is yes get the money out of these guys in the short term but be prepared that they're not probably going to be useful in about two years time um and yeah, I, I agree with Flair. Still a great performer. A talking goes, still as good as it gets. Uh, in ring wise, he can still go, but I, I get the sense that Flair, I think more, Flair more than a Hogan and more than a Savage, it, to a point, it's kind of like, if you're a Hulk Hogan level guy, if your in ring ability was never that good and you 
stay over as a character you can almost go on longer than someone like flair whose popularity in part is based on the fact he's such a good worker even if flair in two or three years time is still a better worker than hulk hogan because flair is more known as a worker than hogan was it might actually be more difficult for him to stay over just because people people like flair to place or a heel because he's so good if he becomes less good it's almost more difficult um but yeah flair's still really good there's still a lot of programs for him um i think the really good job within the last few months i think him and savage is uh, i imagine will be kicking off june july time i would have thought um they've got to give savage a, fa- uh, a singles feud at some point they've got to get him away from hogan really um and so that's very logical chris anything briefly on flair yeah, nothing much more to add. As, as you both said, he's in a very similar position to the other two mentioned. Uh, I think what we would, well, what I'd like to see more of, or what I think they will do is, uh, whereas his in-ring sort of career is winding down, give him more mic time because there is absolutely no one can touch him on the mic. So, uh, maybe give him another on, um, on-screen role um, when it comes to I don't know maybe a manager for uh, well for they're talking about the four the, the uh, reintroduction of the four horsemen uh, that's yeah. probably where it goes him yeah. him with Arn and a couple of others yeah. and, yeah. and Flair exactly. wrestles and less exactly and that way you can you can sort of it can wind down his career but it can still be of use on the mic because as I say there's no one better than him Del Vader we do these chats Bob we can look at the top half dozen names in a roster and see where we see them, what they've contributed, what they're going to contribute. The first three all past their peak but still with name value this is where the other half of this top six comes in where these are the guys that are going to be here for the next five, ten year. These are the guys that need to be built. Vader, they probably stalled a little bit on the full Hogan Flair situation last year but Again, looking back at the draws that they made, it's understandable, but Vader has started well this year. He's coming on with the promo, as we've talked about in the last couple of months. He's getting more time, especially for Harley races, when he's getting more time to talk, he's getting more time to get himself just seen as the monster that he is. He can feasibly go into the ring with anybody, and the match could end in 30 seconds, and you would believe it. He's a strong competitor. He can do things that nobody else can do. That moonsault still is as good a move as you're going to see in 1995 as it was in 94, 93, 92, 91. It's, he's just got something that very, very few people have got. And now he needs to step up from being the top of the B League to getting into the A-League and having that feud with Hogan that he's had is definitely doing that and I just hope it continues yeah uh, Vader's probably my favourite all-round performer going right now um, in terms of just uh, like he wrestles my kind of style of match in terms of I, I very much enjoy that bigger style that Vader that Bam Bam Bigelow type thing um, that's something that's really 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 good for me in terms of i like a believability factor and because vader's so big he's so believable just this brute um he's tremendous and it's just a matter of one thing they had last year is that the, the one thing they really got with vader full stop is that it's not particularly believable for vader not to be in the main event or to be world champion and last year he kind of got in a bit of a rut where yeah. Like, they didn't really have a few for him, so he just kept facing Sting. 
and they didn't really want to beat either one of them, so they never really did. And it's like, well, it's tricky. Like, Vader's the kind of guy who 15 years ago would come to your territory for six months, do a buttload of money, and then move on. Because once you've beaten him, you can't do anything else with him, because otherwise he's just devalued now. Now it's a, yeah. now it's a bit more difficult, but he's still tremendous. And you know what? Even if it isn't the territory days, you know, work it out. Like, he's too good not to be 1A, even if he's not Hogan. He's too good. Um, Chris, anything on Vader? Yep, sir. Uh, massive fan. Um, I think he deserves that run as the top guy. Um, I'd like to see sort of the Hogans being fed to him. Um, I'm not sure if that'll happen, but I just think that for a guy his size and with his ability, it's too good to be wasted anywhere else than right at the top of the card. Um, uh, so along with Bam Bam Bigelow, two of the absolute best big men ever. As far as I'm concerned. No, can't disagree with that. Dell, Sting. Sting could, Bob, be the number one name in this company. Some would say Sting perhaps should be the number one name in this company. Um, he's, what people forget, he's been in this game five, ten years now. Going all the way back to when he was in the, if he was in the tag team with Ultimate Warrior. He's got something about him. In 1994, after the last half, I've maybe been a bit harsh. He was good in the first half of 94. Since Hogan arrived, he's died a death. You don't see him. He, he would show up in shows, do a couple of woos, do a couple of interviews. He would very rarely take his sunglasses off. He was not in a ring-ring position for a long time. They need, it's not a case they should, they need to make him more relevant again and bring him back up to where he should be with well you in particular Bob you've already mentioned the territories a couple of times this month the business evolves and Sting is the next step in that evolution you get belts and championships they try and send for one name which is undoubtedly a Hogan at the minute he's the biggest name that they've got Hogan's not going to be here in 10 years he's possibly not even going to be here in 5 years they need to work on a long-term plan, which is something that WCW has had issues with. But Sting is money. He's a number one guy. He's so popular with the crowds. He could easily main event for a title, even defending a title with anybody. It's just about how they bring him up. We spoke about Vader going up to the next level, which he's already started doing. Sting is definitely, with a bullet, where this company needs to be putting their money. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, I believe, has a two-year contract from January, as in from January, beginning of 95. Um, I, I, I don't think you should turn Sting heel, even though that might be a thing people think about, just because I think he's too popular. And I, I, I actually don't know if Sting's a good enough all-round act to play a heel that well. I don't know if his promos are good enough. I don't know whether he's got the intensity. And I also don't know how good his in-ring work is. He, he wrestles a very good babyface style. And yep. it'd, it'd be interesting to find out how he could wrestle a heel style, but you, you know, you, you can't really turn back once you do it. Um, and yes, uh, what I would do without fantasy booking 18 months in 25 minutes, they've got this United States heavyweight title tournament running right now. Uh, and basically they stripped value of the title last month and they're doing this title tournament uh, up until I think the Great American Bash in June. Uh, I would have Sting win that 
Uh, and I know you might think, well, Bob, this is the US title, secondary title. First of all, Vader held it for the first three months. He didn't defend it very often this year, but he and did hold it. And in mind, old school WCW as well, Bob, US champion. That's your number one contender. So it gives yeah. him that legitimacy. Yes. And what all I would do is I would just have him win. Have him win, have him win, have him win. Put him in the co-main of every show. I mean, maybe third from the top if you've got Flair and, Va- and uh, Hogan split. Just keep having him win. It's very difficult because you're essentially trying to build up guys to get beaten by Hogan and guys to get beaten by Sting. I'm not saying it's easy. But that's the simple plan. And then when Hogan's contract comes up in 18 months' time, then Sting beats him and there's your start. And that's it. That's the way to do it. I, I, yeah, it, it is difficult though. And, and, and the irony is, having said all that, Chris, would Sting work in WWF? I think he would. Oh, um, yeah, I don't see why not, given the lack of star power that they have. Um, what, I mean, it's difficult with Sting. I mean, he's, like Dell said, he, he is uh, potentially a number one babyface, but... At the same time, given his age, I'm not sure. I mean, how old is he? Just remind me. Oh, boy, 30s. Early 30s. I think he's 30s. mid 30s. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, he's got years he's left in him. Young. But he considering... feels young. Oh, sorry. I just say he's not that young, but he kind of feels young. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just think that if you're still looking at Hogan and Macho Man and Fleur being on the top for the next sort of 18 months, um, yes, that means Sting sort of, I don't know, maybe you've, you've got to sort of pull the trigger on him now, basically, if you want him to reach that level. Um, I would like to see a sort of tweak in his character. I'm not a massive fan of the character. Um, in ring wise, I think he's, he's good. Um, I think there's potential to, for, um, sort of, more, to get more out of him than you've got from the likes of, um, Hogan and a sort of, with Savage sort of um, his in-ring quality sort of uh, dwindling down. So yeah, there's there's definitely a number one babyface role for him there, but I'd like to see it sooner rather than later. And Del, last and almost by most means least, uh, the, the guy who creeps into our number six, uh, basically because I get the sense he's been the guy who's going to be fed to Hogan next, uh, is Big Brother. Um, much, yeah. A, a guy who... You know, was was the boss at the beginning of WCW. Had that great match with Vader a year ago at Spring Stampede, um, and yeah, then became the Guardian Angel and just listed for a year and never really got any traction. Now he's back as a heel, I think, in a far better role. He's in a far better yeah. character. I don't get the sense he th- this is. Yeah, you know, I mean, he beat Sting clean last month, but I don't get the sense it's something that's going to be significant for the next year. I think it's logically just. They're gonna do, get done with Hogan, Vader, Flair, that thing by July, and then they're gonna need a new program, and Logic to me says that program for August, September, October before, maybe they're about to Flair and Hogan in December, that would make sense, uh, would be, uh, Hogan against Big Bubba. Um, I think this is about right. I, I think Big Bubba's just about good enough. I guess the question is, is would the Hogan Bubba match be any good? I think, yeah, I mean, we've got, you've got Hogan and Savage, biggest names that they've got, we've got Flair, who's Mr. WCW, Vader, Monster Heel, Sting, possible number one franchise in the company, number six is difficult, Bob, Big Bubba isn't, he's not somebody, certainly since he's, he's days with the NWA, He's not somebody that's really been in that position. We've already seen the stop, start, stop, start in WCW with the, 
the gimmick infringements for for New York. We've then got the Guardian Angel that kind of died a bit of a death. It was really just neutered when they when they took the handcuffs off him with that boss character, and then he kind of struggled to find his feet again. He's went back to what he knows. He's done this character. The character's over. He can he can channel himself better, I think, in that role as a bad guy, where he can just he can just kind of settle back into that southern drawl and come out and just just want to fight. That's that's what he's there for, is he wants to fight, and he can he can be believable in beating a sting. He can probably be believable going into that feud with Hogan. Do I believe he's going to win? No, but. He's somebody that is a kind of mid-year feud for me. He's somebody that can slot in, do a job. We've seen him last year with the big kind of almost man-mountain fights with him and Vader. We've also seen him in the triangle match with Sting involved in it as well. He can go, he can do a match. It's just, he's a bit of a... It's just a bit of a kind of filling in the numbers for me at the minute. But hopefully, now that he's got this character back, that he can he can settle into the skin of that and hopefully we can see it go through there but as you say yourself it's it's kind of the top three the next two and then we've got Big Bubba and that kind of C level so hopefully he can just kind of be the be the good worker be the pro that he can be in that and then hopefully fill out that level with, with other talent yeah and, and there's nothing wrong with having Hogan in a two, three month view with Bubba in the sense that one, he's had problems. Well, not, not with Flair actually, but he's had problems with Vader in the sense that Vader won't let him beat him and Hogan won't let him beat Vader or the other way round in terms yep. of the, the chronology. Uh, and while Vader was, um, a, a heavyweight champion in Japan, they wouldn't let him lose clean in America. He's lost that chart title now, which is why the theory goes that July will come round and Hogan will beat him. Um, but not every feud can be Hogan Vader level. One, because you don't have that conveyor belt of talent. And two, because if, if they're all that level, none of them stand out. And for every Hogan Flair, you to a point need Hogan Butcher, although there were 15 guys on that roster who could have lost just as cleanly and been far better. Um, but you need that level of guy. He's a talented performer. He's not awful. He, you know, I think I described him a few months ago as a squad player. He's a guy, I, he's a guy I want on my team just because I know what he's, I'm going to get out of him and he's perfectly yep. solid. Um, and, and, you know, again, in six months, you know, I mean, they can't turn his character again. Maybe at the end of the six months they go, well, we'll put you in a tag team or, you know, you're a decent talker or make your manager or whatever. Um, but he's a useful guy to have around. But it does illustrate that there really is a massive drop off after Sting. It really is those top five guys, some slightly above the other. And then we get Bubba and beyond that. I mean, yeah. we're into Avalanche, Sullivan, uh, Brian Pillman. Um, I am forgetting a couple of obvious names, I'm sure, but we're in, we're on Anderson. Uh, we're in that level, Renegade, I suppose. Um, but we're in that kind of level, and it is a bit, ugh. But no, Big Bubba's fine. And, and, and yeah, I think that the macro with WCW right now is they've got a lot of guys that I think the WWF, if they could afford, would have in a heartbeat because they are all Definitely. big draws. Um, but equally, one, they've got to work out how to best use these guys, and two, they've got to be very rely, very, 
they've got to be very aware of the fact that these guys have very limited shelf lives and the fact that with you know look Dustin Rose is a massive loss in the sense that I think he's the guy who in six months would have been there or thereabouts he may not have been star power but in terms of a guy they could have put in the main event and it would been believable they built him for long enough where that would have worked yeah. now Dustin Rose been fired it's more difficult um Anyway, that will wrap up this month's show. A couple of things. I didn't do kind of stuff to go back and watch last month. I think by and large, if you listen to both shows, you'll probably pick it up. Um, but there were two very good WCW TV matches this month. I forgot to mention this in my praise earlier of WCW television. Uh, it's Sting against Steve Austin, and then it's Arn Anderson against Sting, I think. It's those two matches, both very good TV main events that WCW Saturday night this month. Um, that and the women's match are the standout matches that we don't review. The others you'll have heard, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Guerrero two cold match from ECW in part two. Um, and, and yeah, so that's the standout bit. Anyway, that will wrap up this month's show. I'd like to thank firstly Dalmuir. Thanks as always, Bob. Uh, Dale, you're on Twitter. Yep, Dell underscore Muir on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the sociable stuff that I'm not You're not really on Facebook. I'm it, not really. It exists that, somewhere. Dust right. it off, it'll be there. Right, cool. And Chris Bradish? Yep, yeah, it's at Chris Bradish. B-R-A-D-I-S-H. That's simple. Um yep. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wrestling20yrs on Twitter at wrestling20yrs our website wrestling20yrs.com we're on iTunes, we've got RSS uh, you can subscribe to us via email, that's all on the website as well and that's about it for this volume volume 2 you've got to look forward to is ECW um, and until next time, I've been Bob Bamber this has been volume 1 of the April 1995 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast and until next time goodbye